10 years of comic timing. At least 10 times or more of Raphael Suhu telling us that his parents are dead. At least 9 times or more where Brent Casina has gone into an episode and hasn't really liked the topic that we're talking about, and you could tell all the way throughout the episode. At least eight times or more, where Brandon Christopher was the only black man on the show, and we pointed it out, and we all laughed. At least seven times or more, where Sean Pryor has been on the show, and I have mentioned Superman Returns, just to get him angry. At least six times or more, where halfway through an episode, a show topic has been thrown out in favor of something that we meandered on that just seemed to get our interest a little bit more than what we were talking about to begin with. At least five times or more, where I thought we had settled on a co-host, and it just turned out to be Brent. At least four times or more, where a guest has been scheduled, and it fell through, and we just wound up having a conversation about comics, and it all worked out in the end. At least three times or more, where an episode has been lost completely, never to be seen again, including Brandon's first episode. We will never be able to experience JSA the way that we experienced JSA in that episode. At least two times or more, where Brent Casina has voiced displeasure on the fact that I was still calling him co-host, not co-host, co-host, about five years into his tenure of being the co-host of the show. Brent, you're the co-host at this point. Don't worry about it. And at least one time or more where I have thanked every single person who listens to the show for continuing to listen to it for as long as you have. I had absolutely no idea that comic timing would still be a thing 10 years after starting it in 2006 with Toby Cook and David Price at the time. And it's evolved and grown into what it is today. We've got extra points. We've got BK's Bullets. We've got a longtime sponsorship with DCBS, which I continue to be thrilled about to this day. We've had the way we've read comics change We've had the way we bought comics change. We've had the way we discuss comics change. We've had so many movies. When this show started, Superman Returns hadn't even come out yet. Think about that. In May of 2006, Superman Returns had not even hit theaters. So all we really had was Batman Begins to talk about. And now we've got an entire Marvel movie-verse We've had reboots of the Superman franchise and the Batman franchise at this point. And we've had uh, indie projects work out pretty well, too. Stuff like Kick-Ass gracing our screens with their continued image. There's so much out there right now. And I just wanted to say outside of the episode before we get started that we're going to continue doing comic timing as long as we have a passion for turning on a mic and getting together at least once a month to talk about the things we love, and that is the comic book medium. I hope you guys continue to enjoy it, and I hope you guys feel the same about comics for at least 10 years, because we have, 
And we're going to continue to. Brent and I ain't going nowhere. That much is guaranteed. Ladies and gentlemen, the 10-year anniversary of Comic Timing. Don't mention Geek Speak. This is Batman. Comic Timing. Of the Stop screwing it up. He's a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. <laughs> That's what it does. Because I'm Batman. <laughs> Print it. Welcome to episode 179 of Comic Tommy, a comics podcast devoted to the average comic book fan from the average comic book fan. Join in as Brent Casino, a rotating panel of guests, and myself, Ian Levison, discuss whatever comes to mind for 10 years here on Comic Timing. What better way to celebrate 10 years of the show than with the guys who in some ways inspired it? The Comic Geek Speak crew joins us for an all-out conversation about collecting comics. Because what else do we do? You're now Comic Timing. Hey there, folks. My name is Ian Levison, and welcome to episode 179 of Comic Timing. The eight-year-or-so co-host, Casina, is on the call with me as well. What's up, Brent? Oh, now we're counting? Thanks. (laughs) Hey, you're the one who brought it up in the pre-show. That's true. That's my own fault. You you survived, man. Let's let's let's. I did. You're 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 the one who stuck around the longest. You're the one who could put and, up with me the longest. And in my tenure, you did bring back ex co-hosts. I think to try and rule me out. <laughs> uh, not not to rule you out. Come on, or to please. try to try and scare me off that my position was going to get it was to make turned you feel once again. better. That's all it is, <laughs> man. Yeah, and I'm sipping a a Shiner birthday beer uh, for this lovely occasion here. Uh, as I, I figured that would be appropriate. Uh, and yeah, as I said in the opening, uh, we are joined by the Comic Geek Speak crew returning to the show, Mr. Adam Murdo. Adam. Hey, hey, hey. How's it going, brother? Yeah, going just fine, Ian. How are you guys? Pretty damn well. Pretty damn well. Nice day here in Brooklyn. Shane Kelly returns to the show as well. Shane. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice to have both of you guys in the, in, in the same room uh, to, uh, to get this uh, thing going the right way. And in Jersey, calling in via Skype, Chris Everly. Chris. Good evening. Thanks for having me on. It's an honor, sir. Uh, it's my pleasure, man. I've been wanting to have you on for a while, and I figure what better uh, topic to have you on to discuss than comic book collecting with your wide history there, both in retail and, you know, comic books themselves. So, Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it, indeed. You know the deal, as usual, sponsored by DCBS, Discount Comic Book Service at DCBService.com, where you can get as many discounts as you can fit under your hat. 50% off of Marvel and DC hardcovers and trades, 40% off of Marvel, DC, Image and Dark Horse single issues, bundles, 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 so many bundles, so many bundles to be named. We're at the end of the month, so I'm not going to tell you anything specific, but uh, yeah, you can go ahead and uh, get some great deals there. Check them out at DCBService.com. Com. I'm going to steal your guy's shtick for a second here, because we're talking comic book collecting, and even if you guys might have somehow brought it up on the show before, or your own show, which you have 800 times, uh, <laughs> how did you first get into comic books? We'll start there, and we'll meander forward. Chris, uh, since you're a newbie to comic timing, how about you start us off? Honored, my friend. I started via animated series so growing up watching reruns of the classic 60s spider-man series which i was watching in the late 70s and early 80s watching reruns of the adam west batman show in that same time period all this was on tv and also seeing reruns of the 
classic barely moving limbs uh, 60s Marvel animated series, which was also being uh, put on reruns at that time when I was growing up. That got me interested in wanting to read comics, and from almost the moment I could read, uh, between stopping at rest stops on family trips or going to flea markets because there were no comic shops around me yet, or getting books uh, from my cousins, I started to develop a, a pile uh, of you know various and sundry titles, and uh, I was drawn particularly to the Marvel characters, but I also was checking out DC as well. And I remember I was on a family vacation, I want to say to Bermuda, one of the Caribbean islands in the, in the late 70s or, or very early 80s, mm-hmm. and my parents bought me a copy of Marvel Tales that reprinted uh, a Jerry Conway, Ross Andrew, uh, Amazing Spider-Man store from the 70s. It was issue 128 wow. featuring the, the Vulture. And my father read me the story, and he did all the different voices and character, <laughs> and I was completely smitten. And here we are, uh, decades later, and I, I'm so smitten that I've and you know I've been involved in the sadomasochistic uh, pursuit of being a comic shop retailer. So <laughs> that tells you right away how much I love the comic book medium. You you, you gotta love it to make it your craft. Yes. So <laughs> here we are, Adam. How about you? Okay, I, I like to say that I was shanghaied into it, actually. Uh, uh, well, I did read a few comics as a kid. Uh, my dad picked up a few random issues of like old Whitman comics, uh, Disney or Bugs Bunny comics at yard sales, and I, I read them, loved them, read them until their covers fell off. But uh, superhero comic, I was kind of balked at the superhero comics because they, they always seemed kind of, you know, even back in the 80s, a little dark and threatening and... Uh, and I, I think of images of like the X-Men. There's this uh, woman with a mohawk and a guy with knives coming out of his hands. It was all a little scary to me actually. And <laughs> Eventually I, I convinced myself that comics were silly and childish and uh, focused on reading prose uh, novels instead. But then you know, junior high rolled around. Okay, I had been friends with uh, our friend Matt, you know, another CGS co-host, Matt. And uh, uh, he and I got to know each other in third grade. He had read comics all his life. He was a big Spider-Man fan. Uh, but uh, he never tried to get me to read comics until, well, a couple of years later. Uh, I, I think he decided he wanted a friend who read comics with whom he could talk about these things. So he started uh, you know, slipping me uh, issues of this or that, and I basically rebuffed him most of the time. <laughs> um, when we got to be in, say, seventh grade, I think that's when the tipping point was for me. Um, he started showing me his uh, Marvel Universe Series 1 and 2 trading cards. You know, just showing me the little facts and figures about all the different characters. I got to get a sense of the diversity of different uh, uh, personality types and power types. And uh, just seeing them as uh, reduced to statistic form was a little less threatening to me than uh, seeing the actual stories on paper, which is what put me off when I was a kid. Uh, So I sort of eased myself in that way. And then one weekend, uh, he and I were down at my family's house on the Jersey Shore just, just, just to hang out for the weekend. He would brought a small box of comics along, and uh, he, I, I finally was talked into trying one of them. It's an issue of uh, Walt Simonson's Fantastic Four run. I don't know the issue number. Matt gave me that copy eventually as a memento of my, uh, my downfall. <laughs> and it has a picture of a triceratops on the cover ripping a Fantastic Four costume apart in his jaw. And uh, I think the blur was four no more or something like that. And I just picked up that comic, got sucked into it. I was supposed to be taking a shower. Uh, my dad came upstairs to knock on the door uh, to find out why I hadn't uh, gotten into the shower yet. He found me in there naked as a jaybird with his fantastic four that <laughs> in front of me. <laughs> I was <laughs> – and so began a lifelong problem with uh, 
four color substance abuse. <laughs> successfully dragged me in. Um, this was 1992. I was 13. We were 13. So it was the Infinity War crossover from Marvel. That was the first comic that I bought for myself. Then I jumped over to X Men. Then I tried some other things around Marvel, Excalibur, Darkhawk, stuff like that. And then a couple years later, I tried DC, and there was no turning back. You know, I I, I know it's not entirely true, but in my head now, I just have that, I learned it from you, Dad. (laughs) 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 Max, who use comics, have friends who use comics. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Shane, how about you, buddy? Uh, well, when uh, when I was younger, I was probably, let's see, G.I. Joe came out in 82, I think, and I was on issue 21 was the first one I saw. No, 20, the first one I saw. So that's probably around 84, pretty close to 83, 84 time frame. My, uh, my family used to go to a hoagie shop in Pottstown. Gosh, I even forget the name of it now. Across the street, I saw a poster for uh, like Spider-Man, Batman, and some other fun stuff that I think would be neat. Had no idea what was inside the shop, but asked my dad when he was picking up hoagies if I could walk over and see what's in there. And lo and behold, it was a comic store. And um, I saw, at that time, I was watching the G.I. Joe cartoon, getting some of the toys. Um, I guess it was just the miniseries that was out at that time. Boy, I can't quite remember. <laughs> but my first issue of anything that I had, of regular, now, like, like Adam said, I had Things that my parents would pick up every now and then, Whitman Comics, a Bugs Bunny here or a Batman there from the grocery store. But to actually get something from a comic store, um, my dad picked up G.I. Joe number 21 from that comic store across the street from the hoagie shop one time. Mm -hmm. So when I saw it, I didn't buy anything uh, when I saw issue 20 in that store the first time. And about a month later or so, when my dad went over to get hoagies again, he had stopped in there and picked up a G.I. Joe book for me. And it was the silent issue 21. And at first I thought, what is wrong with this? There's no words. <laughs> then slowly I started ah. to read that and I got into um, – b- because I would go to that comic store every month to look for a G.I. Joe book, got into some Batman, some Justice League, some Spider-Man. And, and that's where the ball started rolling. That was my first experience in a comic store. I was, like I said, 10 or 12 years old, 84, yeah, probably closer to 12. And that's where it started for me. And from there it just skyrocketed through the next four or five years. And then I really got heavily into reading comics by that time. That, that's how you know the art was excellent on that issue, because to start with a silent issue and not be like, what the hell is this, and never pick up another comic. Like, did they forget the word bubbles? You know? yeah, well, yeah, I figured they forgot something, but I still followed a story. It was still great artwork. I loved Snake Eyes and Storm Shadows, so that was awesome. Mm-hmm. I wondered if every book was like this that they did, or if you know, like me being naive about it. Um, I had no idea what happened, but I still enjoyed it. And I, I looked over that issue countless times over the next year even until I really started to get more of a collection going. But yeah, I, I don't have that issue anymore. I got rid of that issue a long time ago. I don't even think I sold it properly. I probably gave it away or something back when I was shifting collections around. But yeah, yeah, that was really something. <laughs> that that issue is a great example of what a master craftsman Larry Ham is because he did the he did the pencils, the breakdowns of that issue. Yeah. So it shows his skills as a sequential storyteller. Uh, and one of the things, Shane, they're, they're releasing it was just, is just in the April's previews. They're doing an IDW GHO artist edition, I and the silent, the silent issue will be in there. That's cool. I saw. <laughs> and up. Ian, bef- Ian, before I forget, I forgot to give credit. What also got me into comics, mm-hmm. with, and Shane will appreciate this, as will Murd, the Power Records from the late seventies. Ah, oh, yes. Sure. <laughs> were also another another avenue that brought me in, into the uh, into the hobby. Nice between. 
between reruns of the Batman 60s show, Super Friends cartoons, the Power Records, and G.I. Joe stuff, man, that, that was my gateway. Mm. And my other media gateway was uh, the Batman animated series, which was going on in the early yes. 80s. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, well, Brent, uh, I mean, I know you, you've, I think, God, it's probably been at least six or seven years since you've told your, your how you got into comics story on the show. So uh, refresh everybody's memory. Let's recap. Been a Batman fan since my fifth birthday where my parents hired somebody to dress as Michael Keaton Batman. Still nice. got pictures. I should post them someday. Yeah, do it. Um, Batman animated series, basically pretty much. First comic I remember reading, I remember, I've read some more before, but the first ones I remember was going to Toys R Us and getting like a five-pack grab bag. And uh, it was a number of the Night Quest and Night's End comics. I remember reading Legends of the Dark Knight 60, where Batman retakes the mantle from Gene Paul Valley, drawn by Barry Kitson. And I remember reading Batman 505, which kind of was the beginning of the abattoir storyline with uh, Gene Paul Valley in the Asbats costume. Hence, why I'm such a big Asbats Azrael fan. Those are the first comics I read. In fact, I ordered the Arkham Knight Azrael figure today. I was pretty happy about that. Nice. So, so yeah, that's that's a brief summary of how I got started. Well, downhill ever since. <laughs> yeah. Well, for, for me, uh, it was actually uh, waiting online for a movie at a, a now uh, defunct, you know, poor poor forty out uh, movie theater. Uh, called the uh, the Kingsway, which actually, if uh, if you watch the show, uh, I'm, I'm blank on the name now. All of a sudden, because I'm trying to think of it. But the the HBO show about the about the record industry that, that just finished airing. Uh, not oh, vinyl, ago. vinyl. Thank vinyl. you. Yep. But uh, vinyl actually had a reference to the Kingsway movie theater in the first episode because the character was supposed to have grown up not too far from where I live here in Brooklyn. So that was a that was a nice uh, reference for me to you know relish in. Like, yeah, the Kingsway. May I, maybe we never forget. It's for freaking Walgreens now. Um, but but as I was growing up, that was my local uh, movie theater. And uh, I don't even remember what movie my mom and I were, were waiting online to see. But directly next to it was a small little comic shop called AAA Comics and Cards. And uh, they eventually moved down the block and became a comic shop called Acme with more space. And eventually they, they closed and they're not to be found anymore either. But I remember going in there and searching the uh, the racks and finding this comic with a shiny holofoil cover, because it was the 90s, and half the comics had that. But it was Uncanny X-Men number 300. And that was my first comic that I remember. I mean, I'm sure I read, like, random Ninja Turtles comics off the, you know, like, drugstore rack or something like that beforehand. But uh, it was John Romita Jr. art, and uh, it was a story, like, almost in the middle of a story. Why it was at issue 300, I may never know, because it almost wrapped up a storyline. But... It hooked me enough where I went back and I found older issues and got into Uncanny X-Men from there and then eventually got into Spider-Man, somehow survived the Clone Saga, and uh, <laughs> here I am uh, still still reading comics to this day uh, and didn't run away screaming, so... <laughs> Adam and I got in around a, around a, you know, a similar time, and yet you know people continue to say the 90s were a horrible era for comics, but it's still somebody's first era. You know, That's true. Whether yeah. whether it was excellent all the time or not, it's still how you got in the door, and I'm I'm glad that that happened to be my time. But yeah, that's that's how I started there. Now our collections are are all huge in in one way or the other. I know Brent, you've gotten rid of most most of your stuff, and now you've transitioned into you know digital and trades. But I believe my digital collection's now just as big as my uh, old hard copies were. 
Wow, jeez. <laughs> but about how big do you think the 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 crux of your collection is uh, or was at its highest, at its highest peak? Adam, I mean, you're you're about 10 years behind on your reading, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, how, uh, would, what would you guesstimate uh, how many comics you actually own? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, Ian, I just finished reorganizing my collection mm-hmm. and uh, putting it all on, into a database. I wish I had taken the time to count while I was doing that. <laughs> Would have made good sense, but I'm, I'm positive it's somewhere in the five figures. Jeez. And I've got like five figures. Yeah, I've, oh well, I've got like 55 long boxes worth. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know, well, if I had the space for that, I probably would be somewhere along your lines, man. But uh, I, I'm I'm running out of room in this in this apartment, and it's a two bedroom to begin with. So <laughs> if I were to do that, I think I'd be sleeping on my boxes. <laughs> I'm all but doing that right now. <laughs> and if Pants were here, he'd probably tell you the same. Uh, Chris, uh, I mean, how big was your collection, uh, say at its at its largest? It frankly was never that large because, well. When I was active before I was a because re- I've been a retailer since 1999. So before I was a retailer, I, I I was collecting comics vigorously. I'd say from middle school through mid high school. So I, I probably had maybe somewhere between 10 and 20 long boxes, and, and then I sold a lot of them to, to, to actually to get money to buy trades because I wanted to. And this is way way this is back in the 90s, but I was I wanted to kind of phase out of getting more monthlies. Then when I went back when I went to college, I kind of rediscovered getting comics again on a regular basis, and I started to vigorously buy floppies again. This is in the early 90s. And then when I uh, opened my first shop in 99, whatever comics I had, I put them all in the inventory. And I, 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 since then, I, I don't actually collect any floppies just because anything I buy is for the store. Right. But I have, I have an ever-expanding library of trades that, that I maintain. And I still have my beloved pile of comics that I mentioned earlier that my, my parents and, and cousins got me when I was a little kid. Yeah. So. I, I still I still have some some drawers full of comics that I need to clear out of my uh, my mom's place that uh, quite literally is in my my childhood dressers uh, when oh. <laughs> when I upgraded into uh, you know a, a larger dresser for when I was in my teens I just wound up storing most of my comics in there and God only knows what condition they're in at this point but they're they're no, there that doesn't, that doesn't matter they've been well loved exactly yeah Shayna what's your peak. Um, my peak was uh, probably, I know it was at least 10,000, um, maybe just a little bit more than that. Over the last 10 years, I've gotten rid of about six, maybe 7,000. Okay. I'm down to about 3,000 on average, and, and every year I seem to rotate some stuff out, new stuff in kind right. of stuff, uh, kind of mentality to it. Um, even though I moved into a house that has a little bit bigger room for me to put this stuff in, uh, I dedicated a certain amount of space to my trades and comics. And every year I have to clean out some trades and figure out what I want to keep because I'm not going beyond what these, the, these set of shelves has to offer. This is my space and this is where I got to stick it. Yeah. Um, anything more than that, <laughs> like uh, take stuff out and put new stuff in. Uh, that's just what I decided to do. I don't want it to overtake the room anymore. <laughs> um, with with so many things going digital, my philosophy was always not so much to keep them because of value, but to keep them because of rereading. Well, now that so much is out there digitally, I decided to get rid of a lot of stuff that I have no interest to reread right away right. because I can find it somewhere. And if I can't find it out there in the ether, there's a bigger problem with the world than me just being able to not read a comic. Uh, cheaply, because that too. would mean the whole internet would have collapsed by that time. 
Yeah. But there are certain things I will always keep. Um, for me, it's Justice League. So the bulk of my comics that I have left have some kind of tie-in with Justice League, whether it be All-Star Squadron, Young All-Stars, Infinity Inc., JSA, guest appearances. That, that's, that's just what the bulk of my collection is now, is all Justice League-related type titles in some fashion. Yeah. I have the uh, complete run from issue one until the... Uh, the end of the Ultimate Universe of all the Ultimate Spider-Man comics, whether it be the Peter Parker or whether it be the Miles Morales, and I, I don't really ever see myself parting with that. Uh, it's a great series. Yeah, and I, I'm still glad that I, you know, saw this on the on the shelf that day and was like, wait, what the what, what's this with this weird digital cover? And yet I, I picked it up and it turned out to be the best Spider-Man I read for years after that. So I got really lucky with that, and it's it's a keepsake I'll hold on to for quite some time. Yeah. Brent, what, what was your what was your peak? Well, my peak, I had 12 short boxes full of single issues, and I currently have four shelves on my bookshelf of trades that's kind of stayed the same, pretty much stayed the same since I moved out of my parents' house. Digitally, I just looked it up, and I have 3,007 3, digital issues, nice. whether it be trades or singles or whatever. Most of that has come from um 99 cent sales mm-hmm. i buy walking dead uh i have um compendium one and two and then i buy walking dead twice a year twice a year they have 99 cent sales where you i catch up for six issues or whatever i'm i'm missing and and go from there um a, a, a most of my, i don't buy trades on digitally unless they're under five bucks pretty much so i'm really eyeing the sales now because I'm kind of most interested in getting the things back that I want to reread that I really enjoyed reading, you know, kind of back in my heyday, which was, you know, mid-2000s kind of era comic book reading. The stuff going on now is not so much really my thing, but that's what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I would probably assume that at my peak, I probably had about 15 or 16 long boxes worth of stuff just because... Oh. I mean, none of them were really in long boxes. That's just it. I was, I was like one of those kids that was like as resourceful as humanly possible when it came to the small amount of space I had because I grew up in a one and a half bedroom apartment. Mm. You know, I had, I, I was Harry Potter under the stairs, quite literally. <laughs> I mean, my bed was a directly adjacent to the refrigerator. I, I fell asleep to the hum of the refrigerator every night because that's that's the way I lived in Brooklyn and that's that's how I grew up. But I, I still made room for the comics. And, you know, whether it be in that toy chest that I mentioned, whether it be in in a, a dresser, whether it be in, you know, boxes that I could find room for or on a bookshelf. I had an entire bookshelf full of vertical stacks of comics, not horizontal, but vertical, just filling an entire bookshelf for a while. Like, it'd be nice if I used it for actual books, but no, it's just stacks of comics because that's the way I lived. And that's that's the way it went for then. And I mean, now I have a whole bunch of short boxes worth of stuff. And but I'm I'm starting to trim things because I just like Shane, I'm and Brent and and Chris, I there's stuff that I know I'm going to read again. And then there's stuff that I just don't need to keep. And that's I would like to believe there's people out there who would rather be reading my comics than I am. 
So well, I, a lot of them ended up on our inventory, so I thank you for that. And there'll be more, <laughs> trust me. Uh, not quite yet, but uh, there there is a that's further fine, calling. We're, we're we're full up at the moment anyway. That's, so that's perfectly okay. fine. Yeah, yeah. It's, sometime in, probably in the fall, I'll I'll wind up uh, messaging no you again, seeing what's going you on. Bet. But uh, but yeah, no, that uh, it's just it's just one of those things where you, you got to rotate them out, and it actually brings up a question that I wanted to ask everybody on the call: just how we've seen collecting change. Since we started to, you know, through the 90s, through the 2000s to now, with the way the comic book industry itself has changed, just how different collecting is now than it was when we were younger. And uh, Brent, I'll, I'll, I'll start it with you because, I mean, again, you've, you've almost entirely gone digital and, and trades at this point. But uh, at, like, how else have you seen a change amongst uh, fellow comic fans and yourself? I don't know. I feel like, uh, unfortunately, I got a shop within five miles of my house after I went digital. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably would have stayed physical or hard copy, whatever you want to call it, uh, a little bit longer if, if I still, if that comic shop had opened up two, three years prior, you know, regardless of whether I was using DCBS or a service like Heroes Corner or whatever. But I really think the way I've seen things now is that people are spending less and less as comics get more expensive. Oh, yeah. Um, I certainly have. Um, you know, I'm looking at the... Secret Wars hardcover and, you know, or even the digital version, they want $40 for, I know it's nine issues, but damn, it just seems like a lot. That is. Um, So I'll probably wait for that to go on sale for a long, long time. It won't be for a couple of years probably, but um, I just feel like the added expense of, of comics and the multitude of things that are going on, I find myself wanting to play uh, video games or watch Hulu more than I do reading some comics now, but that might have to be with the the ones I'm currently reading. But I think the price has pretty much knocked a, a large portion of the hobby out, and I'm glad to see DC doing things like starting their Rebirth line with two ninety nine comics. I hope it stays that way. Yeah. Um, it's unfortunate that you see Marvel at the same time going to uh, a lot of four ninety nine books in a month for whatever event they're going on, I think Civil War II or whatever. It's pretty unfortunate, but it, it, hopefully it pays off for DC in that, that uh, people are paying more attention if they're, if price is really the king right now. Yeah, and, and if, it, if it somehow does catapult DC back to the top, and if they stay there for more than a month, then you know the, the industry works that way. If they see a trend works, then hopefully they'll realize that it's, it's working for them, so perhaps it'll work for me, and maybe we'll right. see prices go back down as opposed to higher up. I mean, I remember um, buying 52 when it came out, and they were making a big deal that that was going to be 250 an issue mm-hmm. um, every, because it was a weekly book. And then everything you know moved. Everything else was 299 or something like that. <laughs> and then it moved up to 399. And um, you know, I remember buying comics for 199 or 225 at some point. And it, it's astonishing how fast the comics have gone up in price just in the last 10 to 15 years. Yeah. Uh, I guess comparably with uh, older stages in comic books where, you know, it was five cents here, five cents there. But I know that with inflation and things like that, it's, you know, that has a huge uh, impact on how much the prices go up for companies and things like that. I remember back in the day, I I picked up, uh, I think it was Fantastic Four Confidential, if I remember correctly. It was a 99 cent series that Marvel wound up putting out basically because it was 99 cents. You know, because at that point comics were about one ninety nine, and this one was still still ninety nine cents. It said right there on the top of it, like okay, so whether you're good or not, you're only ninety nine cents. I'll buy you. <laughs> Shane, uh, how about you? 
Uh, boy, when I was, uh, you know, when I, when I first started getting those G.I. Joe books, they were 60 cents a piece. Wow. What made me go to mail order, which I was never a fan of up until price impacted me so much. I started mail order comics because price was getting too much and I wanted to get a good discount to try and get more books for what I was spending. Right. And in recent months, I would say the last year, as prices continue to go up, what I would, let's see, how is it? Cover price the comics were when I started ordering my comics online have now reached the plateau where the discount is the same as what comics cost when I first started. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, wait a minute. That's that's totally defeating the purpose of what I tried to do anyway. Um, plus, uh, what I like and don't like has changed drastically. So now I'm, I'm back to what do I do trying to cut out things to make it more cost-effective for me. Having DC do this $2.99 thing is huge because, like, like everyone said, things aren't going to continue to go up at this point with that. $2.99 is a great price compared to where they were heading. Um, I'm more inclined to give things a try at $2.99 today than at $3.99 or more as annual specials miniseries often cost that. As far as, as what I've seen in, in collecting over the years, uh, again, I always kept everything as much as I could because I thought I'd need to reread it from just a floppy. With the whole digital age coming in, I've had a huge swing of things going digital. I've, I've read in, in the past two years a lot of books digitally. Um, I love that Marvel g- gives a digital code with almost every single one of their books. Yeah. That's a great buying point for me because I'm more inclined to buy a book from Marvel whether I read the floppy or not is almost irrelevant because I'll take the digital code and then either give away or resell that Marvel book yet I still have a copy to read at some point yeah I, I have some DC stuff on on digital but not nearly as much as Marvel yet I still am more of a DC fan uh, overall I mean that's that's the way I've been my whole life I, I've read a lot of Marvel. But I, but I love DC, and I think that's something that, that DC is missing the boat on is, is the digital age of things, the way that Marvel is doing it with giving a digital code to everything. Um, I'm just more inclined to buy books that way so I can get a version, both versions at the same time. Almost like when I buy a, a Blu-ray, I love seeing a Blu-ray, a DVD, and a digital copy. Man, that, that's a holy grail for me right there is just to – to find that trifecta, I still have DVD players that I use. I love the Blu-ray player I have, and I love watching stuff on iPads and my phone. Yep. But boy, if I can find something when it first comes out cheap, that's when I'm going to buy it. And especially if you uh, if you're if it's a Disney title, then with Disney Anywhere, you wind oh, up, yeah. you wind up getting it pretty much anywhere you want to play it, whether it be iTunes, yeah, or that, Amazon. That yep. cross-platform thing they have going on is fantastic. That's yeah, for sure. That's great. Um, speaking to the digital stuff, I'm, I I found myself buying. And not really hardcovers of Marvel trades, but you know, finding places online to go buy people's digital codes of trades. Sure, I have so many mo- more Marvel trades I've bought uh, in the past few years just digitally because people don't want the digital codes and they put them up for a dollar, two dollar, three dollar, whatever it is. And yeah, I will pick those up absolutely because it's way, way lower than um, you know other items out there and other ways to get it. Oh my gosh. Um, Unfortunately, though, I, I don't know if they've discontinued that program or not. I think a lot of the I – I know they just released a couple of trades uh, in the last uh, month or two. Maybe Chris can speak more about this. To, uh, but I went looking for the hardcovers of those for digital codes online 
to purchase those from people that didn't want them, and it looked like they were uh, unavailable. Hmm. That yeah. everything's going back to soft cover now. So I don't know if maybe they were losing money on that thing or what. I I don't understand it. Well, and something else that helps me with with digital comics specifically is as I'm getting older. I mean, I'm 43 now, and since I went back to work. I stayed home with the kids as they were being born for a couple of years. But as I went back to work, I needed glasses now to read the computer. <laughs> so as I'm getting older and need more aggressive prescriptions, reading something digitally, I can blow it up, especially on an iPad, to yeah. where my eyes are comfortable, where I, I don't necessarily need to wear glasses to read them if I didn't want to. Uh, even if I wear glasses, it still helps me read it to be able to blow it up bigger when I want to look at detail or read something um, it, it's just more comfortable in, in a lot of ways I still love floppies and trades and, and hardbacks and stuff but boy there are times when it's nice to read something digitally and I can take my fingers and split them apart and get it to be a bigger size so I can read it easier well Chris I mean as as the retailer uh, I mean I know that uh, obviously you have a stake in the in the actual physical copy of things but I know that uh, in the past year you've you've stopped selling uh, new uh, single issues of of titles um, but I I know you also tried digital for the first time somewhat recently um, yes. I'm wondering uh, what your take is on the digital comic now that you've actually experienced it, and uh, you can also touch also on the original topic if you if you want sure. there about uh, how it's changed in the past couple of years. You bet. Uh, well, first, I, we still sell comics only, but only to subscribers. We no longer have a new wall. Right. Um, in terms of the digital, uh, you're correct. I because I, I've I've looked at it recently a couple times because I've and when we're doing our off the racks for the for CGS, there's a couple books I've missed. You know, you know so I, I go on there just so I can read them before we review them. Um. I, I, on the one hand, I can see the allure of it. I, I mean, when it's well done, I mean, the, the crispness of the colors, you being able to zoom in on panels. Yeah. Uh, there's definitely aspects of it that I can appreciate. But again, I, I, I say without any any equivocation, I'm, I'm old fashioned in the sense that I love the feel of an actual comic book. I love being able to hold the pages, and a shank can attest an old comic. I love to give a nice sniff because I just love the old newsprint smell. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, and uh, I still love just holding a floppy and, and you know going through the whole thing and, and page by page. Having said that, I completely appreciate digital, and I think if they if they get to the point where they can bring the price down on the new comics, because it's it's they're charging the same they would charge if you walked into a shop and bought the comic. Now, maybe they're doing that to protect retailers, although. I don't know if that's true because I, I can't. I can think of very few times that the comic book industry has gone out of its way to protect retailers. <laughs> that may be a factor there. I, I don't know for sure, but someday, when they, if they can figure out how to monetize this in a, in a cheaper way, and say make them ninety nine cents, like if you like if you go and buy a song on on iTunes for example, or, or a dollar something, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens to the business side of the medium at that point. One of the reasons I, I decided, the, my manager Bill and I decided to jettison the new wall well there were two reasons one it was just the cost was just getting so onerous and uh, you know we're, we're a mid-sized suburban store so we're not like we're getting massive city foot traffic that are going to come in and just buy you know random books off the wall and also i'd like to get a, get ahead of the curve because uh, you know uh, will floppy comics be around as as a business model in five years hmm. or, or ten years uh you know it, it's I speak to many people, and Brent's a classic example. Like, why am I buying this stuff when I can get a trade, which overall is more cost efficient right. and takes up less space, and or I can just read it 
wait six months and read it digitally for a dollar. Yeah, this is a, that's a whole other topic, but but the the the, the current model uh, for new comics, I, I I can't see it sustaining itself over the over the long run. In terms of, of collecting, I, what I think I find most interesting is when I started going to shows when I was a kid. Uh, in the later '80s, when I discovered comic shops and comic shows, there were no bargain comics. Most places you went, because there were no trade paperbacks really yet either. They were very very rare. You'd see that. Everybody was charging guide or more for pretty much any back issue you would see in the bins. Mm. A, there weren't oh. as many books. You know, well, actually, I shouldn't say that. There, there was there were actually a lot of indie companies in the, in the 1980s that were starting to pop up, but because you didn't, ha- you obviously were far away from digital. You didn't have you know the, the huge amount of trade paperbacks and OGNs you have today. So basically, if you wanted to catch up on a character, back issues were it, with with rare exception. So, and I remember trying to find runs of, of different characters I loved at, at different places, and in most cases, especially if you were going to an actual comic convention, they were stickered at at you know guide. And in many cases, if the person was a crook, they were they were much higher than that. So that for me, that's one of the most striking issues. Now, any show you go to, a if there's even comics there at all, because now it's a lot of it's more multimedia than it even is comics. You're going to find bargain bins. Uh, some are better than others in terms of you know selection and what they're actually charging, but. Most most of the comics that are coming out, whether they're new or older, especially in our econo- the economic circumstances this country is now in, you know, it's no longer the post golden age of World War II. People don't have a lot of money. Right. E- even people who are you know quote middle class, uh, you know, you gotta you gotta you're really struggling to make sure you're covering all your bills and you can't drop, you know, significant money on you know a comic book. So, you know, we sell most of our back issues are fifty cents. Um, we have some stickers that's a little bit higher, but even that I price way under guide because nobody's going to buy it. Um, you know, granted, there are always key books that a very small number of collectors who have money will pay for, but for the most part, I, I still believe people want to read comics, especially people from our age who, who grew up with them. But they're not dropping significant amounts of money on it. If you're going to sell fifty cents or a dollar, yeah, they'll buy it. Just like with our used trades. And you were mentioning hardcovers before. I, I, I still don't fully understand what the whole point of that aspect of trades are because they're incredibly overpriced. Yeah. Like, why am I going to spend twenty-five dollars on a hardcover for like a four-issue story arc that's going to appear months later in a soft cover for fourteen dollars yeah. yeah. or fifteen dollars? Maybe they're, they're that. Maybe that's for the Barnes and Noble crowd. I, I, that's possible. I'm not sure. Airboy, actually, uh, I, I still haven't bought Airboy for that exact reason because I saw I saw the price on the on the hardcover and I'm like, wait a minute, this is four issues and you're charging over twenty dollars for exactly. the hardcover? That's crazy. And and I loved Airboy, so I got the hardcover. But again, because I have my retailer discount, it, for me personally, it was reasonable. Right. But yeah, if, if I was if I was just a customer, I wouldn't buy that. I'd wait until it. I, I loved it, but I'd wait until the soft cover came out. So yeah. so like even with our used trade selection, if, if we're selling a trade. That's used for five bucks, or if it's a bigger trade for ten bucks, people buy them. So that's why what's always one of the big struggles is, you know, what do we carry that's new? Because a lot of this, like when we're having our big FCBD sale next Saturday, Bill's setting up a huge clearance table of just trades that were just blowing out at fifty percent off that are new or newer because they're just sitting there. Yeah, and this is and this is not crap stuff either. Um, so we're making our trade selection leaner and meaner too because it's just – I don't know. <laughs> I, I sometimes I just wonder if if the powers that be just get that the average American just doesn't really have a lot of disposable income. Well, I so. mean I, as, as someone who has uh, significantly pared back the amount of uh, 
single issues that he buys and uh, for that matter trades because I love going to comic shops. That is one of my favorite things. It has been for years. I I take joy in going in there, flipping through books, and supporting people that I know need the support. Like, perfect example, right before I left for PAX East this past weekend, I went to Jim Hanley's Universe, uh, now JSU Comics, because I knew Jamal Igle had a signing in the city, so I went there. I, I supported Actionverse in person and, you know, got to talk to Jamal for a bit and, you know, bought some issues, but... I wouldn't normally do that. You know, it has to be an event now to get me to to go to the shop. And it's disappointing for me because it's still something I enjoy. But if I can get it for cheaper online, which I can, you know, whether it be digital or whether it be through a site like DCBS or, or elsewhere, I'm going to do it. Because exactly what you said, Chris, I only make so much money. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, can't, I can't afford to pay sticker price on comic books whether it be collections or whether it be single issues anymore because it's just not economically feasible in in any way and when i see people do that when i go to say for example midtown comics here here in manhattan and i see people paying full price at the rack i wonder what tech job they must have <laughs> to be able to afford this <laughs> this this hobby on a, on a weekly basis anymore because it's getting more and more steep and it just can it, it confounds me uh, in that in that aspect. <laughs> well, part of that also, I'm, I'm sorry, Brent. Go ahead. I was going to ask you, you know, if the last time he was in that shop was when I was in town for Thanksgiving. <laughs> what uh, JHU? Um, before that, yeah, you know, actually, you're right. <laughs> so five months. It had been five, five months, months between store visits. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> go ahead, Chris. No, I was just going to say that. Um, I mean, when you bring up like Midtown Comics, I mean, that's a store where obviously they can still do all new comics because they're in Manhattan. So they right. get enormous foot traffic. And like you said, Manhattan has a very, you know, is, is increasingly gentrified. So you have a lot of people there who have money who are making, you know, probably pretty powerful salaries. So they can go in yeah. there and drop 50 or $100 a week on new comics. Right. And in, in, in the older old days of my shop, I mean, we had customers who would do that. But, you know, you're, you're basically forced to give discounts because. You know, it's just most people are not going to be willing to spend uh, that much. I mean, today, like the subscribers, and frankly, I'm surprised we even have the subscribers we have at this point, and I'm grateful for that. You know, we give people 15% off, which is, is decent. It's not tremendous. That's all we can afford. Right. You know, and when you think back to collecting, um, I think that's where, where trades have become so important because if someone wants to get into the history of a character or, or, or a title or what have you, you know, there's, there's such a vast uh, array of trades available, and there's always new ones coming out, old ones coming back into print, that you really almost never have to touch a floppy comic. Uh, I mean, if you want to catch up on a character, and, and then or that combine that with digital. Uh, having said that, I, wouldn't, I never want to discourage people from obviously reading floppies. We have you know, 30,000 50-cent <laughs> comics in our store. Come on in. I mean, you know, it's... I, I still believe there are plenty of people who love to read comics, but again, you know, it's just finding that avenue to get the get it to them where they don't feel like you know oh god i just i just can't afford this yeah Murd, so. Mur, let's throw it over to you uh, uh both uh what, what we've been discussing and and how you've seen a change over the past couple of years uh well i i guess i haven't been quite as uh smartly aware of the or keenly aware of, of the changes going on as you guys have because uh uh, I have allowed this whole digital revolution I keep hearing about to just go whizzing right over my head. <laughs> of course. I have absolutely nothing to do with digital comics. Let's put it where it's at. You know, just to take what has already been said by Chris and others about uh, 
you know, wanting the feel of a comics in your a comic in your hand, the tactile sensation of holding it, turning the pages, and, and then there's the olfactory dimension that Shane prizes so much. <laughs> I enjoy doing that also. That's and, almost uh, habitual. <laughs> make reference to our absent friend Pants. I'm pretty sure he has the same attitude I do. Give me. Uh, yeah, we, we're newsprint hardliners. Okay, give us the floppies or give us death. Yeah, all right. Because uh, <laughs> the, the day they stop making uh, paper comics to buy and read is the day that I just stop collecting. Mm. Comics. That's when I just burrow in, hunker down, and read the several thousand comics I already own <laughs> that I have not yet read. Hey, we'll get and a lot, lot of issues at the time. Rest bubble. of your life. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of issues at the time. Yeah, that's a good point. Ian. <laughs> I might actually get that back on track. But yeah, so I, I just don't even pay attention to that in the least. So I, I'm just focusing my comments here on what it is to collect. Uh, the hard copies. And so the, now I can tie into some other remarks made by those present uh, as far as uh, patronizing your local comic shop mm-hmm. because uh, I, I, more than anybody else here, I think uh, continue to do that on a regular basis. I mean, I, uh, I, I itinerate out to my local comic shop once a week, every Wednesday afternoon without fail, every week. It, it's a regular thing for me. This just, I mean, it's, it's like a 40 minute drive for me, too. It's, it's uh, the Golden Eagle comic shop is not really close by. So it's a commitment of time. And if you really want to start counting pennies, gasoline yeah. to get out there and do this every wow. week. But yeah. uh, I think gas is cheap now. Uh, well, it's, it where it was. It's a good point, Brent. It is a little more affordable to you know, gad about these days than it was uh, just a couple of years ago, and we should all be grateful for that for more reasons than one. Oh yeah. Uh, but uh, just uh, on the subject of comics, it's very nice to be just physically present in geek space. You know, just to be surrounded <laughs> on all sides by the stuff and pith of fan culture. It's just a pleasant, soothing experience, and it's also valuable to me to be able to actually preview the merchandise before I buy. You know, mm-hmm. if I'm kind of every every time I go to the comic shop, I make a list of things that have come out that week. It's really two lists: one list of things that I'm definitely going to buy, and one list of things that I'm on the bubble about. So I'll tell myself, hmm, today is a seven and two day. So there's seven things I'll definitely want to get off the shelves, and two things that I'll want to pick up off the shelves, flip through a little bit to make up my mind about. And you can't do that when you're buying digitally or ordering through an excellent service like the discountcomicbookservice.com. Yep. Yes, indeed. Or, well, dcbservice.com. <laughs> Check them out. You'll be glad you did. And inside trades. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so so it, it's, it's valuable to me to still have a comic shop to be able to do that at. And, uh, and, and it, so I, I want to support my local retailer for that reason. But in addition to that also, um, you know, I, I don't want to support my local retailers because uh, my parents and I are local retailers. We have our own business. Mm-hmm. We sell Christmas decorations. And so it, it's, my, uh, it, it's my pleasure and uh, I see it almost as a form of duty to get out there and uh, support my fellow local merchants. And so I happily do that for uh, Scott Foss, not over at Golden Eagle week in and week out. Um, but all of that said, uh, I have to admit that uh, my experience as a regular patron of a local comic shop has changed considerably over the last few years in that I can tell that local retailers are tightening their belts. Mm-hmm. And you know, just to witness uh, Chris's example up at Wild Pig Comics in uh, Kenilworth, New Jersey, uh, they have uh, stopped carrying, as Chris has already said, uh, shelf copies of new books. They uh, accept subscription uh, orders only. And when I go into a shop like Golden Eagle, where I at one time could be almost guaranteed of finding plentiful copies of any recent, at least Marvel or DC release I might want to find, it's always been a little harder to find you know, the smaller publishers or indie stuff, but that's why the services like DCBS are so valuable. I, I always order my indie stuff from them. 
just to make sure that I find it because I can't be guaranteed of finding it walking into an LCS like Golden Eagle. Um, but nowadays, even the Marvel and DC things, the big two releases, are sometimes not present in a shop like Golden Eagle in adequate supply. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I show up at like uh, you know like 12 or 1 in the afternoon, I'll have already missed the uh, like one or two copies of certain things that they ordered for the shelves. Uh, more than this year, like just this year, than any other year I can remember, I've had to ask Scott behind the counter to special order for me additional copies of things like Tom King's Omega Man or Gail Simone's Secret Six mm-hmm. uh, that I miss off the shelf because they just didn't have enough copies there to meet the demand. Right. And so with retailers cutting it back to the bone like that, it gets a little frustrating for the casual buyer like me uh, who's trying to patronize them. But uh, you know, and, you know, I would uh, set up a subscription list uh, such as uh, Chris's Wild Pig still offers except that, that was I'm, my next question. Yeah, uh, yeah well, Brent, I'm out of state for half of the year. That's the problem. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because I go away down to our family's branch store in New Jersey and uh, while I'm down there, there is no local comic book shop I can patronize and I can't – I don't want Golden Eagle to be holding my books for me for – you know, so yeah. weeks or months on of end. Course, so, yeah. so they'd I'd really only that, that whatever subscription list I give to Golden Eagle would only be good for a few months out of the year, and then yeah. So that's 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 my reasoning there. Yeah. Um, and oh darn it, that was oh and uh, so so there, there's that. And then on the other end of things, uh, moving beyond collecting new comics uh, to the uh, subject of collecting back issues, um, this this problem with the retailers not being able to. Well, not wanting to order too many surplus copies of certain things uh, for fear of being stuck with them. Uh, there's a trickle-down effect there in that uh, cheap bin scavengers such as myself, people who enjoy looking at the quarter bins or in, at Wild Pig Comics, the 50-cent bins at their big sales, or uh, the various bins you can find at conventions uh, to find things that uh, various retailers couldn't sell off the rack and so are now uh, clearing out on the cheap. Those bins are starting to dry up. Because, uh, as I've said several times over now, the local retailers aren't ordering enough extra copies that they have anything left over to be sold on the cheap. So I can't just uh, pass up a comic and say, yeah, I don't want to pay full cover price for that now. I'll wait until I can get it for 50 cents at a con. I can't be guaranteed that I'll be able to find that. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of a, a change in the game for me as, a, well, as, 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 as I said, a cheap-in scavenger. I noticed that um, a lot, Murd, at this last New York Comic Con, actually. Uh, there, there was a, a major shift in the amount of, uh, say, dollar bins uh, on the four. Uh, I'd say almost even by half, I felt like. Uh, mm. There were a lot less to, to be found. Although well, New York Con is kind of a special case too, because that's rapidly bloating up into the East Coast, San Diego, Good which point. means that uh, comic retailers are slowly getting marginalized and pushed out as the floor space becomes more and more expensive. Unfortunately, so, yeah, yeah. So even I, I'm sorry, Mark. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead, Chris. No, because I have to depart. I just wanted to piggyback on your comments before uh, before I have to make my exit. First of all, Mark, again, my with all great respect and affection, I always appreciate comments like that of people who are going to comic shops. And that you know, again deepest heartfelt thanks for that uh, continuous effort the other the other comment I, I wanted to make is you know you're right uh, actually two things one if you want to go to shows where you still see comics like that if you're in the New Jersey area newjerseycomicbookshows.com my friend John Paul's running shows in New Jersey for over 20 years these are real comic book shows every dealer hmm. is just all long boxes essentially and uh, check those out if you're in the region. They're, they're, if you're if you're really a, a back issue guy, they are well worth your time. Um, the other comment I wanted to make is Murd is, is also very correct about retail not being able to order as much uh, of a particular price because they're worried about are we going to sell these things? And that's something we were struggling with over the past couple of years. And in fact, when I I I opened my first store in '99, and then I, I 
closed in 2010. Then I was just doing shows for a couple of years. Then I reopened in 2012. And just that two-year period, the change I saw – and I, when I reopened, I had a wall. I mean it was more modest than in the old days, but it was still a, a fairly significant wall. And boy, was stuff just sitting there. And we were, it's not like we were ordering copious amounts of every title that was in the previews catalog. Mm. At that point, I was like, you know, why are we doing this? Uh, I mean it's just – I think the combination of the recession and then just the shift with digital and just demographics and you know, most people I think reading books in the traditional format are older. Uh, you know, Shane said I'm, uh, he's 43. I'm 43. You know, most people we have coming to our shop who are subscribers, they're people – most of them are around my age. A couple are younger, but most of them are around my age or older. So I think that's that's also a factor. Um, and and frankly, I know Golden Eagle does the same thing. If we didn't have Magic the Gathering, we wouldn't even be open. Yeah. Uh, um, and that's Bill handles all that because that's that's not my cup of tea. But um, he, he does a wonderful job. But you know that's that's just another example of how that the the retail industry has changed. And you also mentioned New York Comic Con, and I, I went to that for a couple of years until I got tired of the crowds and just mm-hmm. the, the the as you said, you know, there's just less and less comics at these shows. Yeah. And, I, and I think in a larger sense, you can correlate that with what I'm experiencing in a very small sense. I mean, I don't, I don't think those shows could run if they didn't have all the multimedia aspects uh, that they have. Um, so, or, or they're going to be a small shows like my friend John, which are very pure and dedicated to comics. Yeah. So it, it's just it's going to go be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how uh, if San Diego feels a little bit different uh, this upcoming year. Uh, now that uh, Warner Brothers has said that they're not going to be uh, bringing out uh, uh, their their stuff to the con, and Fox also has said as much because they're now worried about piracy of their presentations. Uh, because you know, as we saw this past year, how Suicide Squad leaked out the way it did, and Deadpool leaked out the way it did. So now Fox is specifically saying we're not even showing up to Hall H. So. People have been commenting, oh, maybe we'll actually get a swing back to comics a little bit for, for a big show like San Diego to perhaps replace that. Yeah. Hey, Chris, I w- I'm wondering, as a, as a retailer, where would you like to see the comic collecting hobby go? Um, just as a reta- maybe as quickly as a retailer and personally, whether or not you want to keep your business afloat or, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, good questions. Uh, in terms of collecting, uh, like Murd, as long as there are print comics out there, I love selling them, and uh, we do very well with our bargain stuff. I mean, it's like I said, it's not enough to keep the business running. We have to have the magic as well. But you know, like when we have our big sale next weekend, there'll be plenty of people, you know, knock on wood, per usual, going through those bins like locusts. So, <laughs> as long as I can continue to get my hands on collections in bulk that I can then sell to people for reasonable prices, we're going to keep doing that because I love doing that. And I love passing on those savings to people who love the medium and just want to read comics. Um, in terms of keeping the business afloat, uh, I, I, I love being a retailer. I love owning a small business with all that, regardless of all the stress and headaches that are involved. Because you know, with the exception of uh, you know my family, nothing else uh, really makes me happier. So the, my intention is to, to, to go with it for as long as we possibly can. Now, having said that. You know, you guys all know this. It's really, really difficult to run a niche business that that meets a very niche uh, customer Market, base. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A- and um, the magic helps because, believe me, magic players are in much greater quantities than comic book buyers. I can assure you. Yep. So wow. that definitely, and they spend a lot more money too. <laughs> uh, that 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 definitely helps. 
what I want would like to happen with my business because I mean I've been in business overall for 17 years now. I mean there's been many ups and downs, but I can't make a living off of it. I mean I, I'm a teacher, and I've been a teacher for 17 years too. So that's my my day job that pays my my personal bills. Uh, I'm not going to get into a whole tangent on that, but you know, but you know, for various recent political changes in the state of New Jersey, I don't really enjoy my teaching job in many ways anymore at all because hmm. it's becoming very corporate. Um, thanks, Governor. Um, <laughs> so the store is what gives me great satisfaction. But like so many things in life, what you'd love to do to make a living, it's often very hard to make enough money to make that your living. But damn it, we keep trying. And 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 Chris, I'll, I'll point out as well uh, the the comic shop that I went to all the way throughout my college years, uh, Bulletproof Comics uh, here in here in Brooklyn. I've heard of it. Yeah. Uh, recently restructured their store. Uh, they used to have a back area where they would sell uh, like old old videotapes and uh, and a couple of old video games and stuff like that. That back area is now solely for magic. Exactly for what you said, because that they understood that that brings in as much money as it does, and they were quite literally taking up the entire front of the store with a magic table. Whenever they would have tournaments, so there was like you'd have to squeeze by to do anything in the store itself. We, we have to do the same thing, and, and that's a good point, Ian. Because yeah. unless unless you are Jim Hanley or Midtown or or Mile High, you have to do that. It doesn't help that Bill Bill always jokes that this is the only industry in the world that goes out of its way to make sure its retailers fail. Hmm. Um, because the way it's set up, and you guys all know this, we have to order things two months ahead of time, yeah, hoping people will then. Buy these things, and and you know you can. We have we have different guarantees from subscribers, like we have their credit cards. But even so, people still have to come in on their own initiative and buy these books, and we have to make educated guesses based on our numbers and our experience and our gut, like what should we have and what shouldn't we have. When you when you step back and look at it, it's totally insane. I mean, <laughs> it, it's it's an insane model, and you know, and plus you know, without going into too much here, and you guys are all going to know what I mean by this. We're dealing with a monopoly. Yeah. When it comes to a certain facet of being a retailer, mm. and you, you know what that leads to, there's, only, there's com- only so much you can do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you know, I love comics, and as long as I can sell them in some form, I will be. But you know, you, you have to if you wanna if you wanna have a shop like this, uh, you have to do other things. Yeah, or it, it, you'll be you'll be closed within months. One, well, I think so, Lem often said, and Scott says too, when I when I see him at Golden Eagle. If they didn't diversify since their inception, they wouldn't be around either. I mean, it was gaming things and and sports cards that helped uh, Golden Eagle continue to have longevity. Um, yeah, if you don't diversify, you you'll you'll sink. Oh, without question. Yeah, my friends, I must depart. I apologize for that, but uh, I have some family matters to attend to. That's perfectly fine. Uh, Chris, give the uh, give the address and the and the website for the store. Oh, thank you. It's uh, wildpickcomics.com. 14 South Michigan Avenue, Kenilworth, New Jersey. Uh, you know, if you're in the area, we're having a huge FCBD event uh, this coming next Saturday, May 7th. Huge. Uh, yes. Uh, 30,000 back issues, 25% off our 50 cent comics, 25% off our, all our trades, uh, 25% off our sticker books, tune tumblers, pop figures, magazines. And we're doing an auction at 3 o'clock. You can go online to see the fantastic items we are auctioning off, including a Batman 91 from 1955. At very low opening bids, and maybe pants won't win them all. <laughs> well, it's a, it's not a raffle anymore; it's an auction. That's so pants, true. 
Pants is going to have to uh, step up and put some money down. So, <laughs> Always a pleasure, Chris. Thank you so much for joining uh, us. I'm honored to be on, guys. Congratulations on your 10-year anniversary. Great, great to talk to you. And uh, my CJ's brothers, you'll be receiving an email from me very shortly. Excellent. <laughs> and I will see you both uh, tomorrow evening, Adam and Shane. Sounds good. All right. See you All then. Right. All right. Take care. Good night, everybody. Thanks. Good night. Bye-bye. Good night. All right. We now return to our regularly scheduled podcast, Already in Progress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's actually let's piggyback to to something uh, Murd brought up uh, before Chris uh, interjected there. If it was up to me, Murd, I would still be able to do comics exactly the way you are with the, with just a list the day of because the whole two months before thing still doesn't work with me. Like be having to pay full attention to to the previews list and making sure I didn't miss anything and if something gets canceled then I still have to go get it anyway. It's just it's it's one of those it's one of those complicated matters that would be so much easier if I could just go boop 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 week after week and have them shipped to me or or you know go to the store simply like that. So I envy you on that. I mean, you can't put stuff back on the rack if you're at this, you know. Well, that's if true. If you're subscribing in a store, right? You have the option of always have the option of not buying it. Unfortunately, the thing with the, you know, if you're collecting through DCB service, which we used for many, many years and still support, uh, and they support us, it's still sometimes it's a crapshoot because you don't know what you're getting, and especially in the way that the, uh, I think DC is made that they're not going or certain books. I don't know if it was a couple of years ago they said that they were shipping every month. Mm-hmm. You know, you would get some fill-in people or something like that, you yeah. know, the weekly books. I know some artists have changed on these uh, last 52 issues of the new 52 because of the new Rebirth stuff, you know. Uh, Vince Skyver jumped off Edge of Oblivion to do all the Rebirth stuff. and Yeah. You know, I like Artie and Syaf, but he's not uh, Ethan Vince Skyver. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and over the last... Boy, I've been I've been married almost twenty years, and for a long while, I was able because of the job I had, I was able to go to a comic store every Wednesday yeah. at lunchtime, and because I only worked half a day on Wednesday, and it was a lot of fun. And if I could do that, yet if I could arrange that work was only a half day, or, or maybe I was off on Wednesdays, I'd absolutely still go to a comic store at some point in a day, at least every other week if not every week because that is fun yeah. uh, you know i love wednesday yeah. days off everybody at work now looks at me like i'm crazy when i say that because of course <laughs> they want friday or monday off but man i love wednesday it's a break in the week it makes two little short mini weeks and plus i can mm. hit a comic book store somewhere yeah. along the way and see what's out there even if i've ordered stuff which i do I, I still enjoy going to a comic store when I can. Yep, what you were saying makes perfect sense to me, Shane. Yeah, and I try to. I, I use it as my uh, sort of a get-about mm-hmm. uh, day in the middle of the week, and I not only go to the comic store, but uh, you know, being out there on the other end of the county gives me an excuse to run little errands that sure. I'm putting off. So yeah, works out well. And, and, and especially nothing, nothing beats a good store with a good uh, person behind the uh, the counter that you can actually have a good conversation oh, with yeah. as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've said it a million times over the years. That's how we all, for the most part, started to talk yeah, was at Golden part. Eagle um, hanging out for a Wednesday afternoon through the evening in a lot of cases. Um, if we didn't have a store that allowed that, well, I wouldn't have the friends I have today. None of this would have happened the way it did in the last 10 years, Yeah, 11 now. And, and also, for, for that matter, considering about the time of year it is and that we're talking about people behind the counter at a comic shop, 
I raised this uh, this Mexican chocolate stout in your honor, Mr. Jamie D. We're we're still th- we're still thinking about you even at this point. Yeah, yeah, because I I actually seeing the, uh, the you know the Facebook memories uh, the, like today the fact that sure. five years ago today was uh, Super Show 2011 uh, yeah. had me had me thinking about Jamie a lot. All right, well let's transfer let's transfer back from the sad to the happy. <laughs> Brent, were you gonna were you gonna add something there? I just was wanted to I guess talk about the I mean the last time I went into a shop was to get the. Uh, the Wonder Woman Earth One graphic novel from Graham Morrison, mm-hmm. um, and I went. I think I let. I got out of work at four, which was a little early for me. It took me about twenty minutes to get down to the shop, which is the one close to my house, and they had one copy left. And wow. this is like the big, you know, the, kind of the big release for the week. And I don't know how many copies they ordered. They're kind of a, a smaller shop, um, you know. They're not moving anything like the mall store I uh, used to frequent a lot or anything like that. But I don't know if they ordered more than three or four copies of this thing. And that was the big release of the week. Yeah. And unfortunately, it wasn't very good, in my opinion. <laughs> but So I, I tried yeah. to stand there and, and talk to the guy behind the counter a little bit. But, you know, he um, he was pretty uh, – the guy over there, Almondo, I think he's one of the owners, is pretty good in the uh, – the other guy that owns it, if you follow, uh, uh, what's his face, Stephen Amell's Facebook page is the artist Danny Haas and did the Stardust and Green Arrow uh, art for, I don't know, what the hell, event one is it, the, a couple years ago. Um, Celis' art there is in a pretty nice shop. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there wasn't that many people there, but it's 4.30, but I was just surprised of, you know, this is like the biggest release of the week and they had one copy left and I made sure to ask, you know, Hey, can I buy this? I, it's on the display rack right next to the register. There's one copy left. I didn't know if that was a display copy or if that was like you know somebody who uh, subscribes copy. I didn't want to, you know, steal anybody's copy. I know how that feels. It sucks. Yeah, but it's just strange that you know a mid a small to mid sized store only was carrying a couple uh, things of the biggest graphic novel from Grant Morrison in years. Um, it's 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 certainly possible ex- exactly how how it's been stated before that it's hard to tell even with the, even with a title like Earth One how well it's going to sell. Um, so you only order so many right off the bat. I mean, if, if it sold out as quickly as you say, Brent, I wouldn't be surprised if they then got in more immediately afterwards. You know, for future weeks. But perhaps their initial orders were a little you know skittish because they didn't know just how much of it was going to wind up selling. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, also true. Mert, I'm curious, uh, since you're the one who's in the shops uh, the most out of out of all of us right now, what would you say about the demographic of the uh, of the comic shop at this point? Like about uh, age wise and and uh, men, women wise. Really hard to say, Ian, because usually when I'm in there, it's the early afternoon. Uh, most people need to work, and uh, there aren't very many people in there other than myself. Gotcha. Uh, there's one guy. Uh, his name is Albert, uh, and he's uh, Shane. You know Albert, don't oh, you? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's well in his fifties. I'm, I'm pretty sure, and he's. Uh, I think he's a trust fund kid. He, he hasn't worked in a while. He doesn't really need to, but uh, uh, he hangs around there for hours on end, talking sure. the ears off of anyone who will listen about uh, Doctor Who and uh, well, various Disney things. I think just every single shirt he owns has some kind of Disney character airbrushed onto it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's one example. Uh, <laughs> the other people we see, I, there, there are a couple of youngish guys in their twenties, and uh, every once in a while there will be like, like a mother and some kids. 
But yeah, I, I think we can really take that as an accurate uh, cross section of uh, even the the customer base of that shop, let right. alone uh, the, the the entire hobby. I don't. We can't extrapolate anything from that. I'm just in there at a weird time. I think. Yeah, and 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 plus that mall, the mall itself is is oh, deteriorating greatly. Is depressing. Yeah. Um, this is dilapidated, mostly empty. Yeah. I think if you if you go to somewhere that has a lot of foot traffic, just in a mall setting, it's going to be a much different demographic than, mm-hmm. than what we're talking about here. Well, with, it, with with a day like Free Comic Book Day, uh, it would be very interesting to see exactly what types of people are still going to it at this point, because you know, it's Free Comic Book Day has existed for for years now, mm-hmm. and you know, it is a good way to bring the kids and you know to get to get a few comics. But I know that also you know plenty of adults to take it as a moment to perhaps get back into the hobby with uh, with deals and stuff like that so uh, th- that'll that'll make me very curious because i usually go to jhu uh for my free comic book day and i'll probably do the same this 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 year but after after you guys hit up uh you know wild pig uh, for those of you who can make it because uh you know who knows but uh I'd be, I'd be very curious to see what the general demographic is on a, on a big event night yeah you know because uh, what is what is actually very positive is what I see crowd wise at say a convention is you know just how many young kids seem to still be into comics like you might not necessarily see it at the comic shop on a Wednesday, but they're there in one form or another, uh, whether it be digital or whether it be uh, you know just trying to get as as many cheap deals as possible on the, on the four. But I I have hope that there is at least you know three or four more generations worth of kids out there who will be able to continue this this lovely comic book medium of ours for future generations to come well, there are some encouraging signs out there oh, just, yeah. just from people that we all know who have kids and who are bringing them up in the hobby yeah. there there's some friends that i have um all across the state uh, right now that i did not know some of their kids just got into comics just because of seeing a movie or seeing something on TV, mm-hmm. that surprised me. Um, and that's what, I, what the hope of intent is, is that you see these movies and, hey, I want to read some more about these characters. Yeah. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised even to know that four or five kids that I know now have read comics more frequently just because of the movies that are out there. Yeah. Well, that's In addition to being entertaining in and of themselves, I guess that's a fringe benefit of there being oh, yeah. so much... Uh, of uh, video uh, media entertainment out there based on these characters. Sure, yeah, uh, and even the even the cartoons for that matter. I mean, with oh, sure. uh, Ultimate Spider-Man and, and uh, Avengers, even though you know they might not necessarily be for be for me. I know they are for plenty of other people, and that's that's really all that matters. Um, and Brent, you'll you'll have a kid who's old enough to read soon, and they got plenty of comics to read. Soon, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> couple years. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Raise that kid right, Brett. <laughs> it's shelves waiting for her. Seriously. <laughs> and going going back to back issue diving a little bit, what is it in a back issue then that draws you to it? Because there are plenty. At every con you go to, or perhaps even in every store that you go to, there's bound to be at least one. But what calls your name? Uh, is it a specific sorting, or is it uh, you know a, a size that make that makes your eyes go wide? Like uh, what it, what is it that makes you want to bin dive, uh, Shane? All right, so I'm not above looking in any bin for books, especially if there's good price going on. Mm-hmm. However, 
my snotty preferences alphabetical. Yes. If it's an alphabetical, I'm way more inclined. It doesn't even have to be exact alphabetical. Even if just all the A's and B's and C's and so forth are together. Just loose alphabetical. Just loose order. alphabetical, I'll take a chance. Yeah. But hodgepodge totally just out of order, man, oh, I'll – I'll give it a couple minutes and then I give up. It is something of a turnoff unless you're in a very you're in a very high energy state. Yeah, and and I haven't been in that high of an energy state <laughs> a long time for bin diving. Um, so for me, it's it's some kind of alphabet alphabetical alphabetical <laughs> sorting. Let's go uh, alphabetical. Let's go. Let's alphabet- go with that. Yeah. Uh, for me to even consider looking at it, but then again, I'm not bin diving like I used to. I mean, I've I've filled a lot of holes for comics collections that I had. Mm-hmm. The only thing I actively seek out is old Justice League issues, and and even those I'm getting to the point where they're twenty plus dollars a piece. So I, I'm looking for an issue at a convention, maybe right. twice a year now, versus when I was able to go fifty cents and get twenty, thirty books at a shot. Now um, it's just it's just different in the last ten, fifteen years because of collecting what I wanted to collect and getting the the assortment of books that I was looking for completed. Yeah. And 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 you know what? It applies to trade paperbacks too, for sure. that matter. Talking about uh you know back issue bins like I, I if I go to a con and I see uh X-Men directly next to Angela, it's gonna turn me off. <laughs> I yeah. need it I need it to at least be A through Z in one form or another like at least split it into freaking you know Marvel DC and 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 independent and then they give me alphabetical order it feels lazy if you if you don't actually bother to just give me at least a loose alphabetical order on stuff Yeah yeah I I totally agree Yeah Mer does anything turn you off when it comes to uh, uh back issue bins well, I'm not bothered by uh, lack of alphabetical order as uh, much as some, but mm-hmm. uh, as I said, I need to be, I, I need to feel up to it. You know, yeah. if I'm, if I'm uh, flagging a little bit, like I've been walking around a convention all day and I'm flagging a bit, and I've come to a bin full of just uh, randomly uh, uh, disorganized junk, I'll probably pass it by. True, but uh, if if I'm uh, kind of in the mood for uh, the hunt, then I'll, I'll, I'll gladly wade into the uh, non-alphabetical morass uh, provided me just in the hopes of finding some deals. Um, uh, turn-ons for me usually include uh, older uh, cover logos or cover dresses from Marvel and DC because I know that we're getting into uh, well, more like the copper and bronze age stuff. That's my meat and drink. Uh, like if I see that uh, long uh, horizontal band across the top of the cover that says Marvel Comics Group. Or uh, the old uh, Milton Glaser-designed DC bullet in the sure. upper uh, left-hand <laughs> corner of a comic. Those are things that I'm, I'm always happy to see. I missed that bullet. I mm-hmm. do, too. Oh, don't we all? Yeah, but... I missed the last logo they had. Uh, with the, the, the Star Swirl. For me. Yeah, I like the Star Swirl around the DC as well. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of the old uh, Hanna-Barbera mm-hmm. uh, closing uh, title card. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, the current one... Eh. <laughs> the current one is definitely made for an age where you see apps. Um, yes. It's very tech-friendly. Yeah, the corner curling off like, yeah. like a page being and turned. As as much as I didn't think I would like it, I, I do like seeing it at the end of shows, the end of cartoons. Whatever whatever you're watching, they put a little niche of that in there. And, and that is um, entertaining to me. That is a, a, a little wink and a nod to me. Um, knowing what the DC logo has gone through, that that I appreciate what they're doing with it. Um, I appreciate what they can do with it now. 
if you apply it to apps on phones and iPads and, and various other technological paraphernalia, um, it, it's a lot of fun to see some of that stuff. Do I think it's necessary? Probably not, but it's it's the way the world is. It's if you if you want something recognized, make it to look like an app. Sure, and people will notice it. Yeah, and 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 it also works pretty well animated on say the beginning of a movie. Sure. You know, yeah. Having having those pages flip, and you know, if it's a Batman movie, you can see the Batman pages flipping on on the DC logo. That's that's pretty effective for them. Yeah. Yeah. Brent, I, I you don't really go to too many cons, but uh, I forget uh, when when is MegaCon? Is that, the, is that that's coming up pretty soon, right? It is in three weeks. Okay, so so and when you when you go, are you going to be hard, uh, tray paperback diving in any way? Um, I don't know if I'm going to go this year. I have a lot of stuff going on in May. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm doing a play in the local Fringe Festival again, and we have a show that weekend. Oh, really? Um, yeah, we have a couple shows. So them they. It being in March was a lot easier for me to go to, mm. um, just in general. But now that it's in May, it's after Free Comic Book Day, it's in the rest of summer convention season, they have a great lineup this year. I really, really want to go. Yeah. I just don't know if I'm going to be able to be able to because I'll only be able to go for a portion of one day. And since Fan Expo's bought it and it's moved to four days and mm-hmm. now they're bringing in Kevin Smith and – all these other people, oh, Adam hitters, West. Yeah. There's a huge heavy hitter lineup right now. It's just gotten more expensive. Mm-hmm. It's no longer the twenty dollar uh, single day ticket that it, or weekend pass it used to be. Out of curiosity, how much does it cost now? Um, honestly, I have not looked. Okay, just because the schedule's been that tight, I'm yeah. not really not even entertaining the uh, idea of going. La- I did go last year; it wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but being all digital, something I, I'm not turned on by long boxes or anything because it's like you know i can't i don't collect it that way anymore yeah. and even even looking at the five dollar trades and stuff it was all you know i guess stuff i've already had um you know not looking to complete my uh why the last man trades or mm-hmm. preacher trades and even that stuff you know i would love to read transmet uh if they had five dollar trades of that but they don't because it's a it's a um, premium. What do you call it? Evergreen, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. They can always sell that. Um, so the things that you do see in five dollar trades are not necessarily the the series I, I want to follow and trade or things things I'm like oh I should read that. I don't see five dollar Sandman trades ever. Yeah. Uh, at it, least at MegaCon anyway. It's most mostly just Marvel and the occasional DC really. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, this actually stems into uh, something that I, I definitely wanted to bring up on this episode and, and is very much important to the future of the industry. For a comic book collector that is just starting out now, uh, and we could say a kid or we could say someone you know older than that. In fact, you know we can give multiple suggestions even. What would you suggest to a, a new reader? At this point, you know, what is the series that would immediately call out to you as this is something you should try right off the bat? Because, I mean, I do a I do a panel every year at, at Anime Next called American Comics for Manga Fans, where I give suggestions along these lines to, say, you know, browsers to people who might be into manga, but not necessarily American comics. But what are those series that immediately call out to you as ones that might be good for the newbies? Uh, Murd, we'll start off with you. 
Uh, well, I'm going to say something that Shane will probably want to echo, but uh, you know, just uh, using what we were saying a little while ago about uh, using the uh, well, current uh, crop of films mm-hmm. that tie into these uh, into the comics medium to hook people in, uh, why don't we just recommend the Marvel Star Wars line of titles? Ooh, yeah. That yeah. is a world, and those are yes, characters very that good. people know, and it'll give them an opportunity to familiarize themselves with the uh, storytelling format of comics, the visual language, all that good stuff. Yeah, and it doesn't hurt that the books that Marvel is doing right now are very well made. Yeah, I was yeah. just gonna say. I mean, they they still have the cream of the crop on those books. Yeah, and they're, and they're they're canvassing a large array of Star Wars tales from the mainstay Star Wars universe to a Darth Vader specific story. There's the Anakin and Obi Wan stuff. If you liked things that happened during the prequels. Uh, there's now a Poe Dameron series, mm-hmm. which certainly harkens into the Force Awakens and Beyond stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, little series about lots of different characters. Yeah, Chewbacca, Leia, Lando had one. Um, there's wow. the C3PO one shot. Tony Harris and James Robinson. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. I mean, the, the talent that they've had on those books is just uh, immense and spectacular. I've been very, very pleased with, with how those books have been developing since they started. Um, truth be told, with all the reboots that Marvel's gone through, um, other than right now Doctor Strange being the only Marvel floppy I'm getting, mm-hmm. it's all Star Wars stuff. Everything else I either pick up in a trade or get a digital code to read from somebody. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really a strange time for me in, in that way that the bulk of my Marvel comics, everything's Star Wars except for one, maybe two, as time goes on. Justice League. That's all. Yeah. DC stuff. Yeah. Well, are there any say like evergreen trades that you would point out to somebody? Uh, you know, whether or not they're they're current, uh, and be like, you know, this is a comic that 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 you would be interested in. Well, Brent mentioned Sandman trades. That mm-hmm. seems like a good thing to recommend to anybody who just enjoys a well-told story in a, a fantasy vein. Yeah. yeah, I think you can say the same thing of the Starmans too. Um, mm, true. The Jack Knight Starman's that, that's just as an intriguing a story. That's a good point. Yeah. For a, for a more mature to adult reader um, than just say a little kid. For a little kid, I would go right with Bone. Um, mm. Both my kids have read Bone. They both love it. Um, that was a pleasant surprise. I read that as an adult the first time when we when we started reading it on the show. I had never read Bone up to that point. And uh, I loved it. And then uh, to see my kids get into reading that as well, it was, it was a pleasure. It was a lot of fun. And uh, you know, some some of the some of the benefits of comics right now are that you have uh, very good continuations of animated series out there uh, mm-hmm. that that people can turn to. Like for example, the Avatar: The Last Airbender stuff that Dark Horse has been putting out uh, is all great stuff. Uh, so any any kid that might be interested, you know, might have been interested in that animated series, can immediately go to uh, at least. You know, six or seven series worth of uh, of Gene Gene Yang written uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender stories to continue that if they really wanted to. So I think that's that would be definitely something that I would recommend off the top of my head if you're a kid. Same with the Adventure Time stuff. I, I would even go if you if you're if you're a kid if you're a parent taking kids to um, the movies to see all these Marvel movies, which are absolutely fantastic. I I can't I can't think of a Marvel a Marvel movie universe movie that has been really that terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the closest that I would get to that is either of the Hulk movies. And I, and I like them both. They're just not quite as close knit tied in well done as what we're thinking of as the Marvel phase one, two and three stuff that are out there right now. 
I would say going. I think Thor the Dark World was pretty terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it was like better than the first Thor, but that's just me. No. Um, I think if you take take any of your kids to go see those things and they're interested in reading, there's a plethora of Marvel books and storylines that that feed those movies that yep. you could turn your kids to, certainly in the trades. Um any of Brew Baker's Winter Soldier stuff would, would oh, yeah. be up there, yeah. And uh, especially with Civil War coming out, if you're, you know, if your kid, if your kid is is old enough, I mean, just really, just like start them off with with Winter Soldier, Rome, and the Civil War, and you're getting enough of the story there where I think you'd be able to get into it pretty easily. Yeah, yeah. Brent, any any uh, ones you can think of off the top of your head? Um, I really think the uh, Miles Mor- or Ultimate Spider-Man with Miles Morales is probably the best. Uh, thing that's been out in a long time. Mm. Uh, so that that first trade, not not the new uh, series, but that first trade's pretty good. And that first couple series is trades really good, I yeah. think. And, and and I would definitely bring up Ms. Marvel. You know, yeah. I mean, Ms. Marvel is a kid that I mean, I I have a, a friend of mine has a now I mean, oh my god, time flies like soon to be thirteen year old kid. That I've been sending like any every major like holiday or birthday, I've been sending her a Ms. Marvel trade, uh, and she's been immediately like gobbling it up and reading it and reading it and reading it over and over and over again. I mean that that is a a evergreen book if I could ever say one. Like absolutely uh, the I say the Spider Man for a new era in a lot of ways. Love that book. Well, and and as much as we're talking about things that we see in the Marvel universe with the Marvel movies and stuff, don't. Um, overlook all the stuff that's out there in DC land oh, for sure. at least the TV shows. Um, Flash and Arrow and Supergirl are just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most of their animated movies uh, are well done and have an interesting plot point pulled from a comic that makes it worth, if somebody's interested in seeing something like that, that it'd be worth reading it as well. Um, I, I have always thought uh, DC's animation side of the world uh, does phenomenal work for the most part. I mean, like anything else, there's always some some clunkers or some that just didn't seem to work as well. But I think their animation house is very well done. And that goes to the half-hour stuff, even as far back as the Batman animated series and the Superman, the Justice League stuff, Teen Titans, uh, the Teen Titans Go stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you have all the movies that I've produced, and, and I think it's up to like 20-some different movies that have come out now. Yeah, um, It's a lot of stuff. And then you do have the, the DC movies that are coming out and the ones that have always been. you got all those Batman ones and Superman. There is value in them, uh, even if we as adults don't like every single thing about them. There are some things that, that our kids might like, like my boys really liked Batman Forever and Batman and Robin because they were a little bit more flashy and silly mm-hmm. and i like them well enough but they really got into them because of that they 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 reminded me of what i felt like for the 60s batman tv show when i first started to watch it i mean yeah. the, there is something to be said for that kind of entertainment that drew me in to batman as a character the same way these things are drawing my kids in in various different ways oh definitely yeah and 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 you can easily turn to the the comics that were the inspiration for these shows yeah. Uh, like for instance, Wade's Flash. I mean, I I still think that you know you don't really you don't even really need continuity to enjoy Mark Wade's Flash run. Like you you could start out with his first trade, and just you know go nuts from there and get a really general idea of 
what the character of the Flash is. Doesn't matter whether it's Barry Allen or, or Wally West. You're still getting a damn good Flash story that feels like the show in a lot of ways. Sure does. Yeah. And for Ian, the first year of Injustice mm. is very strong. Yeah, no, you've mentioned that to me before. Yeah, I've I've read yeah. a few issues of it. Uh, there, there are two separate trades. Mm-hmm. Um, if they want to do it that way, but I believe they did release a collection where it's both trades in one volume as well, mm-hmm. uh, just recently. Hmm. So that's very good. Murd, anything from the year two thousand you would recommend? <laughs> oh. In the year 2000. <laughs> yes, let's look to the future. All the way. <laughs> oh, man. Wire ropes. Well, I mean, in, in, all, in all seriousness, though, I mean, uh, are there any of any older comics you would, you would suggest to the newer reader? Well, if we are looking at uh, well, things that fall within the sphere of the time bubble, uh, uh, how about Kevin Smith's Green Arrow run? Mm. Yes, uh, very good. Yeah, crossover appeal to people who've liked his movies. Yeah, it's, it's fairly accessible too. I think. I mean, it gets a little deep into certain finer points of DC history now and then, but it's uh, you know shot through with enough humor that I think it's a swallowable pill. Uh, did I, I mentioned Thunderbolts, and I'm going to say it again: Thunderbolts, you know, <laughs> tale of uh, costumed villains uh, getting a taste of the good life of a superhero and being <laughs> sort of reverse corrupted into seeking redemption as superheroes. It's and it's a, it's a it held on to some of the uh, well, the fun and the texture of Marvel history at a time in the early 2000s when Marvel was trying to distance itself from same. Yeah. It was uh, one of the few Marvel series that I you know, clung to to the bitter end uh, at a time when I was finding DC much more uh, suitable to my tastes. I, I, I read uh, most of it myself, uh, Murd, I, even, even through when the like five name changes they gave Genus Fell. <laughs> right. Poor guy. <laughs> and then they just called him dead. Yeah. Well, uh, one, one, one. Actually, I mean, and this isn't for for young people. This is for you know the older, or perhaps even the teens and, and above. But if you're watching The Walking Dead, just read The Walking Dead. You know, they're they're entirely different animals. I mean, I I, I understand that, but basic story beats are all there, and and that's one of the things that I appreciate about reading The Walking Dead is. Uh, I'll I'll read an issue. Uh, I mean, I'm almost entirely caught up now, be just just through my local library system, which I'm going to bring up in a second, actually. Um, but knowing what happens in the comic and then seeing how it's transferred over to the show is actually really interesting. Uh, and it's it's one of the first times I've really been able to experience that, where I'm not angered by changes. I'm just like, oh right that guy died instead of that guy you know it's yeah. it's yeah. it's it's one of those general like evolutions almost from uh, from comic to to the screen that i'm, that I'm actually really enjoying so uh, you know anybody who is curious uh kirkman's walking dead is one that is very easily accessible both digital and via trade that you can very easily catch up on there there is a guy that i work with um he was all into watching the TV show, and someone introduced him. It wasn't even me. I mentioned it, and he would kind of blow me off a little bit, which is fine. I mean, reading comics isn't for everybody if they don't if they don't have their heart into it. Right. But somehow he got a hold of a few digital copies of Walking Dead, and now he does that. He reads all the Walking Dead digitally and watches the show as it progresses. I'm a couple seasons behind on Walking Dead, but what I have watched of it and what I have read of the book – that's a unique experience that I think is just enjoyable 
to be able to not only read it but watch it and like you said Ian point point out to myself if not to anybody else the differences in what happens in the story but the beats are all there right um to be just as enjoyed um I like seeing what they do differently on the show versus what I've read in the books and it still feels the same yet is interesting enough to keep me going in a lot of ways yeah definitely I mean I I, I kind of like I understand Game of Thrones people a lot more now <laughs> because uh, I, I haven't read the books. But for those who have read the books who are now watching the show, I understand them a lot more <laughs> watching The Walking Dead. Well, and, and because of this experience with Walking Dead that so many people have, I, I don't know why we don't – and I do. But I don't know why we don't translate that to other comic book characters, groups, Avengers, DC stuff – it should be the same way. You know, it's it's told one way in the comic book. It's told a little bit differently in the books or in the movies because that's okay. It it It's all right to do that. And Walking Dead is a prime example of it being okay for so many people. I don't know why that doesn't translate to the water, water, the wider array of storytelling between any comics character. Yeah. See, if the makers of Amazing Spider-Man 2 had been listening to you, Shane, maybe we wouldn't have had to have Gwen Stacy's neck snap well, just because it happened in the comics. Yeah. Uh, and everything that happened in that movie, Superman. But anyway, um, I <laughs> <laughs> uh, just had to bring it up since we just talked about it last episode. But, <laughs> but that's, and, and actually that is something to bring up though, is that when it's done well, you know, like when it's, when it's still feels like the general characters from the book that you're watching on the, on the TV or, or film. That's, that's what I look forward to. You know, it's it, when you don't get the basic feel of the character itself, that's when you got to worry a little bit. Uh, like one of the reasons why I'm, I'm not watching Lucifer on Fox is I, I realize it's for some people and you know, if you're enjoying it, that's great. It got picked up for a second season. So obviously enough people are watching it, but it's not, enough of the character from the comics to make me want to go watch the show. So, it, you know, if I want to watch a police procedural, I'll go watch the, rewatch the first 10 seasons of Bones. Because <laughs> that, that's what it feels like we have here on, on the show, just with a supernatural bent. Yeah. Yeah. And talking about Kirkman, Invincible. I mean, okay. again, it's not for kids, but if you're looking for a very unique superhero tale... That just keeps getting better and better, in my honest opinion. Invincible's for you. I mean, I, I don't know how much you guys have read of it at this point. Because uh, have you have you read past like the two the two volumes you guys did for the show? Or I think we only did the first one. First actually. one, okay. All right, and, gotcha. No, a lot of people, you included, Ian, uh, encouraged us to keep going with it because it does get better than that first volume. It and, gets a lot better. Yeah. So, with a while, Ryan Outley jumps on and saves the art. Yeah. Well. uh... And yeah, Otley Otley is a I, I'd say a lot more consistent on on the art than the than the original uh, uh, creator was. Although he does, still does the occasional uh, issue here and there, but uh, I I am so thrilled with the overall universe that Kirkman has crafted here. And really, if you're a fan of Justice League, like specifically for you, Shane, mm -hmm. I think you're gonna love Invincible if you ever get the chance to sit down and read more of it. Because yeah, it's it's totally in your wheelhouse. And that's that's something that that you've said to me before is that others have too. I just haven't sat down to read any of it yeah. beyond that first trade we did. And I, I have the ultimate collections, which mm -hmm. if you ever find them for cheap, 
that's a great way to, to catch up. There, there are 12 issues in a pop. And uh, I think we're up to looking at my shelf here. We just came out with, with the 10th one now. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that's it. I mean, it, it, they only come out once a year, but if you're behind, you know, how are you even going to notice? <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. And 12, you know, speaking of, of like 12 issues per trade, I absolutely love the format that DC put in their Starman omnibuses. They're mm. a great size. Yeah. I am all for omnibuses, but I can't stand when they hit 500, 1,000 pages. That It's just absolutely lud- ludicrous to me to have something that large to try and tote around and read or even pick up and read on my lap without crushing it. Yeah. Um, I, I, people like them. That's great. I, I'm happy for you. I just wish that they were the 12-issue type time uh, size f- for a, a one-trade, one omnibus hardback or something that that's just more manageable i, I was disappointed to see that the uh, the soft cover got canceled again the uh, the oh. starman omnibus oh yeah i know they're i don't know whether they're being under ordered or whether or not they're just that set on it not coming out wow yeah but uh that that brings me to uh one, one of the final topics i wanted to bring up tonight going back to digital for a second here and i know murd that's not it's not your wheelhouse but i Something that I wanted to bring up specifically is the subscription model that Marvel Unlimited is bringing to the table for collectors. I have been a Marvel Digital Unlimited subscriber now for two years, and I still buy Marvel comics, uh, just not all of them. And there is no better way to catch up on the backlog of Marvel comics than Marvel's Digital Unlimited. Because if you don't care that the issues are six months or older, you got everything. I mean, including every Star Wars comic you can possibly want, including the Dark Horse stuff. Wow. Uh, yeah. All of the back issues of, of Iron Man are on there now. Uh, they're filling in gaps on X-Men. They're filling in gaps on, on uh, Fantastic Four. Uh, all, so many to name uh, that it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger every single month. And it just makes me feel like this is in some ways the future of comics. To be able to use that Netflix model to be able to read as many comics as you want. As long as you read like three comics in a month, you've paid for your subscription. Okay. You know, because because think about it. I mean, a, a comicsology issue is going to cost at least $2. So if, if you're paying $7 a month, you know, three or four issues and... Bam! That's it. You've you've paid yeah. for your month's worth of, uh, of of Marvel Unlimited. But I I used to be like you guys, where I needed to feel it in my hands. Like every day, I would bring like seven or eight comics with me on the train, you know, for my for my subway commute, so that I'd be able to do it. But I one day woke up and I'm like, all right, let me put in all these digital codes that I have and you know, start reading on, on, comics, on Comixology instead. And then when I got my Marvel Unlimited subscription, it also made, also made it so much easier. I feel like DC needs to get on this train, and so do a bunch of others, because this is, this is where we're going. If you want people to be able to read your comics, you need to have them available, and that's what Marvel has. Uh, I mean, Brent, agree, disagree? I still have yet to try out that service. Is there an app? still allow you only 12 issues to download at a time? Uh yes it does, but I mean again that's that's perfectly fine if you're, you know, if you're 
you, you could just you know delete one and then download the next one and then that's that's yeah. there for you. So I mean it's it's not that bad. Um, the problem with my Comixology la- uh, app right now on my iPad is that my iPad is large enough that I can have have way too many trades I need to read on there. Mm-hmm. But I just like scrolling through all of them and going, <laughs> mm, I need to read that. I need to read that. I need to read that. Yeah. Um, but the the problem I th- I see with that Ian is I don't know that if digital is not generating enough revenue on Comicsology right now to supplant the physical copies, or for you know, or generating enough revenue by volume for them to be able to lower the digital prices, and they of course they don't want to piss off the retailers like Chris, but I don't see how a subscription model that in that manner when the largest selling comic really only hits you know what's the average a hundred thousand each month if that that's really not enough revenue to keep all these companies afloat to produce the same amount of comics they are producing unfortunately Hmm. so i don't know that the subscription model is the way to go i mean you're Um, you're still guaranteeing the the audience has shrunk so much Hmm. you know i wish dc would do something like that um you know then i would probably do it for both companies just because you know the things i want to read would be on there um i'd certainly be interested in if like image did something i think that would be tremendous um yeah but i don't know with all the rights issues and stuff like that probably won't happen (laughs) um but i don't know i just don't i think the audience is too small right now for uh that type of service to be to be uh conceivable shame what do you think is that our future um, I hope that floppies never go away because I do still like to have like my Justice League's, my Batman's, whatever my favorite thing is, right. and everybody has their own favorite thing in their hands. Um, just like I read a book, I, I I just read The Martian as a novel, and I and I much more enjoyed that as a tactile experience versus some other things that I've read on an iPad as a novel. Um, I have the same thing with comic books. I like when I'm going on a trip that I can download. 10, 12 issues at a shot and take just my iPad with me. And that's great because it's more convenient for me to just carry that rather than books. Right. But I don't ever want to see the books go away completely. I don't think um, I want to either, honestly. Um, but I, I like the idea of, of, of what you can get from the Marvel app. And I wish DC had something like this for those issues that I can't get a hold of in a trade or in um, – uh, a single issue format because it's either too expensive that I, I'll never be able to buy it or they just don't produce it in a trade anymore. I think uh, a historical perspective of what you have access to is more valuable to me than just brand new issues alone uh, being in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, having DC producing something that would bring out all the old Justice Leagues, all the old Batmans for all of time in some fashion would mean a lot more to me than just the newest issues being a few months old. I agree I'm always behind on my reading, so that wouldn't bother me at all. Yeah, and, and, that, and that is what makes Marvel Unlimited as awesome as it is to me. Like, if I want to read Simonson Thor, I can read Simonson Thor, yeah. you know, at the same time I'm reading Jason Aaron Thor. You know, that, yep. that's just something that's available to you on, on their app. DC would have to do something similar. And, and I think as much as I like DC as, as, as far as characters go, um, the last few years have not been its brightest for me. If you like the stuff that's been out there, that's great. They're already behind on the lack of digitalness in their books, as I said earlier. 
Um, I just think Marvel is going about that in a better way. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, Mert, I know we're not going to take your uh, your physical copies out of, out of you unless, uh, you know, it's your cold, dead hands. But, uh, <laughs> but, exactly the metaphor I would have used. Yeah. Uh, well, there's nothing wrong with that either. <laughs> but h- how do you feel about the uh, the, the subscription model, uh, you know, similar to a Netflix or so on and so forth? I know so little about it. No opinion that I might uh, formulate would have any value at all. <laughs> Honestly, digital consumption of anything is just so not a part of my world. I, I still yeah. buy CDs. I just so do I. So do I. I do still buy select CDs. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, I Mm -hmm. do on occasion. Just the greatest hits of the raspberries from Amazon last week. I'm part of uh, they might be giants fan club, so I just got sent uh, one of their latest CDs. Nice. Yep. So I haven't given up on that either, man. So <laughs> just just because I go digital with my comics doesn't necessarily mean I've got entirely digital with my uh, with my media. Mer- Merge, you'd be proud of me. In in cleaning some stuff up the other week, as I'm going through boxes, I found uh, sh- uh, like a shoebox full of tape cassettes, and inside were the Prince Batman soundtrack from 1989, oh, as well as the hey, orchestral hey. Uh, soundtrack Timely. that went with that. Uh, that was uh, that was kind of neat. Uh, but you don't have the means to play those. Tapes no, I really anymore. don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. I I think Carlene's car might have a tape deck in it yet. I, mine does not. I just went to see Purple Rain in the theaters because uh, AMC brought it back after sure. after Prince's uh, death, and uh, I went to see it this uh, this past actually just yesterday. Uh, went to see it and nice. had a very very good time watching that in the theater with a whole bunch of people. Sure, that was an experience. I've never seen it before. I've seen it like on HBO. I've never seen it in theater. Yeah. It was something. Well, the, the, Murd, I mean, more, more the unlimited factor of it is, is the thing that, that, that draws me to it than anything else. Because trust me, if, 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 if it was up to me, I'd still be going to the shop every week. <laughs> if only I had un, you know, unlimited space. Like if I had Indiana Jones, uh, you know. Vault, warehouse vault, space. Yeah, warehouse space. I'd be buying comics every single week. Unfortunately, I live in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. I think uh, I think we're up to final thoughts at this point on uh, on collecting. So, uh, any anything that has not been brought up that uh, that you guys are were dying to discuss, uh, now would be the time. Uh, Mister Murdo, you got anything? Uh, I wouldn't say there's anything I'm dying to discuss. <laughs> um, uh, only thing I can think of to say it's it's kind of a depressing note to end on, but I thought it was. <laughs> Uh, it was kind of a worthy uh, metaphor for being a collector of comics these days, and particularly, you know, as I've said, one who, like me, is uh, trying to soldier on in the old uh, paradigm of collecting, you know, uh, trudging to the comic shop every week. It's uh, it's getting to feel a little bit like uh, those of us who are still trying to do that are uh, like small uh, rodent-like creatures who are trying to subsist in a dry, bleak desertous ecosystem mm. uh, where there is very little life-giving water to be found. Water being uh, uh, the representative of comics here. Um, and uh, the well is slowly running dry. Spice uh, is life, Murd. <laughs> <laughs> the spice must flow. Yes. <laughs> oh, I, I get it. Frank Herbert, right? Yeah. <laughs> I have a first edition of Dune. I've just never read it. Oh. I, start, I got like two pages into it last summer, but uh, stuff happened. 
I, yeah. I, I watched the uh, the documentary for Jodorowsky's Dune, and then shortly thereafter saw the actual Dune in theater, and uh, then immediately after that saw uh, Mad Max Fury Road, and I'm like, wow, in some ways Mad Max Fury Road was the superior Dune movie than the actual one <laughs> that came out. <laughs> Shane, you got anything? The thing that I think of is more more so now than ever is buy what you like. Mm. Don't cater to what you think you might like. Actually figure out what you like and just stick with that. Mm. Um, right. That's key to buying either new stuff or old stuff. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm all for trying new things. Hey, whatever you want to try, try it. But, but really collect what you like. Um, contrary to 30 years ago when mm. I was a kid and had more in, uh, what would you say, disposable income? Mm, sure. And I would just try to collect things just to collect and have the biggest collection and whatever I could get as much as – yeah, that doesn't work. Um, <laughs> it's, it's fine. I, I know plenty of people that collect in that way, and that, that's great. That's what they like. That's their hobby. I just can't do that anymore. I have a finite space for things. Um, as I mean, again, I'm only 43. I'm already 43, however you want to look at it. But as my imminent mortality approaches as time moves on – I don't know what my wife or my kids would do with all this stuff because they don't necessarily have an interest in it. So I get what I like as long as I like it. And when I don't like it anymore or, or I want to shift my collection, I get rid of stuff. I'm much more apt to shift my collection to my needs, which, again, it's your collection, so that's what it should be. Yeah. But I, I'm more free-flowing with it. What comes in, something has to go out. I can't just keep everything anymore. Um, it's just too much. But I think everybody goes through that spurt. Everybody collects stuff and they have a great time collecting something, whether it be toys or cards or games or, or anything. You, you always amass a, a huge amount of something. And then at some point it becomes different because of either job, family, life in general, and, and you start shifting things around. So the thing that I would always stress to anybody is collect what you like and do what you like as long as you like it. But don't be afraid to change it or... Um, even change your collection to whatever you want to go to next. Yeah, I, I couldn't put it better myself. Uh, in fact, uh, in, in today's day and age, uh, e- even though even though they're you know the comic book fan itself might be a dwindling breed uh, it, according to numbers, there is so much out there for just about every single genre. For yeah. comics, like we are in a wealth right now, whether it be from Image, whether it be from Dark Horse, whether it be IDW, whether it be Oni Press, whether it be Marvel, whether it be DC, whether it be Action Lab, whether it be Boom, any publisher you can possibly name, you are bound to find at least one comic book that suits the needs of what you are into. Yeah. And if you can find it, cherish it. Because that is the joy that we all take from being comic book fans is, is finding that one book that you just keep going back to over and over again and being like, that is my jam. You know, yep. for, some, for some people, it's going to be Saga. For some people, it's going to be Batman. For some people, it's going to be Flash. For some people, it's going to be a manga. Sorry, Brent. You know, it's, it's just <laughs> you're bound to find at least one thing that you can call your own and go out there and look for it. You know, whether it be online or whether it be at a comic book shop, there's just an a utter wealth of comics out there waiting to be found. And I hope you find the one you're looking for. Yeah. 
that's probably the most profound thing I've ever said on the show. All right. <laughs> more uplifting than anything I ever say, Ian. <laughs> hey, Murd, I've heard plenty of profound things out of your mouth. Trust me. <laughs> Brent, you got anything? Yeah, I guess just some hip, some hip tips to uh, anybody looking to, you know, look into digital or transfer their stuff. Um, what I found, I mean, I can only speak for Comixology. That's my platform, platform of choice. Of course, we've heard from Ian about Marvel Unlimited, but I know on Comixology, at least Marvel has at least two sales a week on Mondays and Fridays of ninety nine cent issues. Yep, um, they've got a multitude of. Civil War trade paperbacks going on sale. Uh, I don't know how long it is if it's up until the release of the movie or whatever, but they're all four ninety nine three ninety nine trades, which can't be beat. DC tends um, to have trades too. DC usually has a trade uh, or some sort of like if they do a two hundred one three hundred one sale every week that rotate weekly, and then uh, you know you'll find the Walking Dead image. They'll have sales on there too. So that's a side I check. You know pretty religiously every day, every two days, just to see what's on sale. And that's mostly the stuff I've been buying is stuff that was on sale that I wanted to re- to read. So just check it out. And if you have a friend that has uh, single issues that you're looking to get their digital codes off of them, see if you can't get them off of them sure. if yep. they're not using them. Mm-hmm. You know, there are places online that you can go get those too. Not going to tell you the places I go because you're going to be competing with me. <laughs> we call that the Deemer method. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well endorsed. Well endorsed. Yep. Has perfected that supply line, hasn't he? Yes, indeed. Have. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And and I will also add that uh, eBay and Reddit are two lovely places to find digital codes for dirt cheap. Both uh, Reddit.com, uh, sorry, ComicCodes.Reddit.com and uh, and eBay are still plentiful when it comes to codes. If you want to get a dollar code on, on, a, on an issue, that's the way to go for it. Gentlemen, uh, to steal Mr. Eberly's phrase, even though he's no longer on the uh, call, I believe we've shot our bolt. So uh, oh. any uh, upcoming uh, CGS episodes you want to pimp on the uh, on the air here? Well, one of our uh, famous uh, spotlights is coming up pretty soon, yeah. uh, one that Professor Eberly has uh, poured a lot of himself into. Uh, it's a spotlight on the Black Panther in celebration of his uh, 50th anniversary and also his appearance in the upcoming Captain America Civil War film. Uh, that is going to be a marathon. He's uh, just sent us the notes yep, for that. I just got it in an email. And, uh, nice. They are, they are copious, to say the least. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that one's going to be a lot of fun. It's, it, it's, a, it's a labor of love for him, and we're, we're going to be along for the ride. Yeah. I will be listening to that probably on multiple train rides. Cool. <laughs> Fantastic. And uh, and anything else? Uh, and there are many, 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 many episodes. Uh, would you guys just pass 1,600? Uh, yeah, that, that is correct. Yep. Oh, boy. Jeez. I was, I was reading on the forums. Uh, also, Pants had posted about the actual number, and I think it was 1890. Oh my gosh! With counting all kinds of stuff, all the spinoffs and uh, unnumbered special episodes. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So yeah, sixteen sixteen oh three. I think was the most recent one. Right, you are. That is insane. Yeah. You guys, ever gonna pull a Marvel and just go to your total number? <laughs> <laughs> they'll have a. They'll say both numbers uh, at the yeah. front, like like when Fantastic <laughs> Four would split that. Different <laughs> little red rectangle. Yeah. Right? <laughs> exactly. Yep. And uh, Murd, I'll, I'll see you in a week. That is right. <laughs> yes. The, the day after Free Comic Book Day. It's going to mm-hmm. be 
trip up the yellow brick road to New York to join you and Chris for a showing of The Woodsman. Nice. I am looking forward to it. Should be as a lot am of I, fun. sir. As am I. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yeah, uh, Casino, you got any uh, BKs in the, in, the, in the vault? I do not. I should do it. All right. You should make that happen. Let me straight up say, though, guys, it's been an absolute pleasure having you back on the show. Yeah, it's been uh, fun. And uh, I, you know I love talking to you guys and uh, hope to see you in person. Uh, well, I mean, I'm seeing Murd soon enough, but uh, Shane, hope to see you in person sooner than later. Yeah, right back at you. It's been too long. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. We are once again sponsored by DCBS, Discount Complex Service at DCBService.com. Where you can find discounts, 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 so many discounts, so many discounts, I won't name any of them. DCBService.com. We are proud members of the Comics Podcast Network over at comicspodcast.com and the League of Comic Book Podcasts over comicbooknoise.com slash league. Facebook.com slash comic timing is where you can find all of your comic timing conversation. And uh, send us an iTunes review on iTunes if you want to, because hey, we've been around 10 years and we deserve at least one review out of you folks. You hear that? So, for everybody who has been listening to this darn show and been hearing me talk for 10 freaking years, thank you. That's all I have to say about that, and thank you for not being scared away by Raph. Even though he's not on this episode, (laughs) his laughter can still be heard. And as always, there's always, and I mean always, probably for at least 10 more years, time for comics. Hi, Chris. I'm Brent. Brent, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. This is your 10th anniversary. Is that what this is? It's Ian's 10th anniversary. I've only been on the show for eight, nine. But, no, but he's, but yeah, he's, he's, he's been the he's been the primary co-host during that time for a long time. Hold the eight world or nine record years of comic that. timing co-hosts. <laughs> there have been many. There can only be one. Exactly. <laughs> I am drinking some Tennessee un- nice. whiskey with my Dungeons and Dragons 20-sided die ice cube in it. <laughs> Thanks, Loot Crate. You're fucking useless this month. I just want to warn you, Murray, this is my longest Twilight ever. It's going to go in at least, it's at least eight pages long. So Wow. wow. Let, let me be the first listener to say I cannot wait. Honored. <laughs> you can look, you can look, you can look forward. Longest in terms of time? I've been spending a lot of time on it, yeah. Plus just a lot of reading. Um, and I look forward to addressing what an insolent shit Reginald Hedlund is. So. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Ah, that was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, that was good. That was awesome, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you for, ha- for, for coming thanks on. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us on. My, my absolute you. pleasure, guys. Happy to be a part of the uh, anniversary celebration. Yeah. Yep, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Eli Stone is dead. Yes, yes, Eli Stone is dead. Like Batman parents. Episode 99.5. You get what you pay for. (laughs) Yes, that was me dropping the microphone in disgust.